right, guys. I don't know what's going on, but uh, our audio, at least for the soundboard stuff, is all jacked up. What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. Bobby Burchens is back with us tonight to get into the Florida Gators ahead of the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, or if you want to call it by the PC name, it is the War for the Ore. Um, and I don't like mama used to call it. I'm not exactly sure when they changed it to that, but it sounds awful. Um, (laughs) but after we talk about that, we're going to get into the, uh, lesser games of the week. And by that, I mean, pretty much all the other ones, because there's not really any good ones this week. Yeah. It's not a great slate, but before we get into that, how are you guys and what are you drinking? Well, uh, I'll start since I guess I'm the guest and everything like that. Thanks for having me, by the way. I appreciate it. Uh, tonight, I am drinking Diet Coke as I have a very, very early meeting at 7 o'clock in the morning tomorrow, followed by a golf tournament. Trust did me, I, know, I need I, I need to rest. Did you know <laughs> that a 12-ounce can of Diet Coke has the same amount of caffeine as a 12-ounce Red Bull? What? I did not, uh, but this is, of course, caffeine-free Diet Coke. So See, it's, it's that's that's my move. I'm always on them gold cans. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm just saying it's it gives me a little bubbly, and uh, that it makes me feel like I'm not just drinking water sometimes. But it might as well be just water. Who am I kidding? I drink I, like eight ounces of Diet Coke. So like the fact that you said that scares the shit out of me. I need to. I really need to. I know I need to stop, but. My God, I'm going to have a heart attack at like 35. Hold up, hold up. First of all, I haven't had a heart attack, and I'm beyond 35. So let me, you know, kind of like put you to, put you at ease, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, I've been drinking Diet Coke since I was in a stroller, and I'm not joking about that. My mother used to uh, walk me around Gwinnett Place Mall uh, up in Duluth all really? the time while I was basically carrying a bucket of Diet Coke the size oh, yeah. of which I could fit into at the time. So <laughs> not, not for nothing, but I think you're going to no. be okay. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does have a significant amount more caffeine than regular Coke. Um, wow. I, when I switched to Diet Coke, I started having a hard time s- sleeping, and then I heard that, and I looked at the can, and it's like eighty-six milligrams of caffeine per twelve ounces. Um, wow. so I switched to caffeine-free. You know. It's better, you know. I don't know if it's better tasting, but no. it's definitely. Um, you know, I don't even know that it's better for you. God knows what, what kind of fake shit's in here. But whatever, it's fine. I, I like I it. have a severe caffeine problem anyways. So anytime I can cut it out, I try to. Um, for yeah. a while, I, I don't like a thousand milligrams of caffeine a day. Seems like I need to up my game a little bit because I only need to have the one 16-ounce Red Bull in the morning, which is not in, unsubstantial when it comes to caffeine. Don't get me wrong, but... Oh, After no, that, get I'm good. me out of bed. I have an energy drink that's 300, and sometimes I follow that up with a Red Bull if I'm not awake enough. <laughs> okay, never mind. I feel good. Thank yeah, you guys. See, I'm glad that we could help you out, Mike. Yeah. I don't drink coffee. Like, literally, all I drink is like Coke Zero and water. So I, I don't drink coffee either. I find it to be just uh, too much. Whenever I like, uh, Even I Waffle really House like is too coffee, much. coffee. Yeah. But... Just the small amount of hassle it is to get coffee in a big enough cup to wake me up and then go to my work truck versus grabbing a can out of the fridge is the reason I don't drink coffee. 
<laughs> Fair enough. I, I understand that that extra work being a, a barrier to entry. I normally wake up five minutes before I have to leave the house, so it's like it's got to be very efficient in the mornings. I get it. I do. Um, like I said, seven a.m. Uh, meeting tomorrow morning. Well, I have to come dressed in, in golf attire and and all of that that kind of stuff. I have a very very early morning plan for myself of waking up at five uh, five thirty, r- roughly, to make sure that I get there on time. Uh, and that is with all sorts of primping and prodding and trying to make myself look halfway decent out on the golf course. Because as we all know, when it comes to golf, it's not just about how you swing the sticks. It's about the fashion. Uh, and I'm rocking a white belt with a pink shirt tomorrow. I can't wait. So, Hell yeah. If you switch to disc golf, you can show up like I do. And that's typically in a cut-off Wrangler t-shirt and some short shorts with a cooler of beer larger than my actual disc golf bag. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, uh, uh that, that, that's all, if I may, however, um, that's also the soccer version of golf to which I would say that's the pussy version of golf. So not, not for now. You know, I'm poor. <laughs> um, first off I'm poor, but second, uh, I have torn ligaments in my wrist and shoulder on the left side. Okay, that's fair. So, that's fair. So only needing one arm for disc golf is the move. No, I can I can appreciate that. I I can absolutely understand that. I am decidedly average at everything when it comes to <laughs> income. When it comes to go, my my play on the golf course, uh, you know, apparently my team this year, but we'll we'll get into that, I suppose. Uh, so just you know, the, I'm right there in the middle, and I I can make just enough money uh, to p- have a decent golf bag in my uh, truck. So, but there you go. Also, can you play regular golf in the dark? Because yes. Tomorrow, we are, I am actually running a uh, glow-in-the-dark disc golf tournament where we have the park on Tybee lit up like a rave, and uh, it's pretty cool. So down here in Winter Park, uh, this is the, down here in Florida, uh, I should point out since that's where I'm broadcasting from this evening, um, Winter Park has a uh, municipal nine-hole course that is mm. uh, the envy of many municipal courses, as a matter of fact. It's ranked in the top uh, 20 uh, nine-hole courses in the country. Uh, and yes, they do host uh, the during the summer mostly, uh, but they do host a um, an evening golf uh, event where you do hit glow in the dark balls. Um, I would love to have more golf courses, you know, put up lights, that kind of thing, so that I could potentially play after work because uh, I'm one of those people who would love to go and do something like that. But I can't. Uh, I could always play hooky, but I don't because you know. I'm responsible. Yeah, I'm an adult and everything like that. So um, the the more lights, the better. But uh, there's even a, a couple of courses down in Tampa that have that kind of thing. Yes, you can play uh, golf at night. It's it's hmm. not unheard of. All right, Notice. we've gone on like four tangents in the first five minutes. So, Mike. It's exactly how I wanted this to go, by the way. <laughs> All right, that's Mike. the show. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how finer in the how are you doing and what are you drinking? Because I know both Mike and I are actually drinking alcohol for the first time in like three or four weeks. So, yeah. uh, I'm I'm doing fine. I'm, like I said, drinking Diet Coke, uh, caffeine-free so that I can actually get some sleep tonight. Uh, long, long day plan tomorrow, having to drink with, uh, you know, a couple of uh, vendors, a couple of distributors, that that kind of thing. Entertaining uh, so, clients. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no clients. No clients. Okay. 
uh, they, I'm the client, if anything, uh, yeah. for for this tournament. So, okay. uh, it's being is different. Ooh. It is. It is. We, we it, went to a week long conference in Gulf Shore over the summer and went vendor drinking every day, and then had to be up at six for uh, conference stuff. There were a lot vendor, of mistakes made, and vendor day drinking with golf involved is even even more different. I don't know how some of these people are going to make it home. Uh, we're we're playing at a course uh, in that's in a place, and I'm not joking. It's a real place. You can look it up. It's called Howie in the Hills. That's the name of this city here in Florida. Howie in the Hills. We don't have hills in this state. We really don't. But somehow oh. we have Howie, who's just hmm. amongst them hills, apparently. Uh, and that that's where this course is. It's actually one of the nicer courses that's out there. I'm not going to pump the name out there because I don't want to brag about it. But it's where uh, Charlie Woods, Tiger's uh, son, recently won the junior golf uh, championship, oh. as a matter of fact. So okay. if you are a golf fan, you probably know exactly where I'm talking about. Uh, and yeah, uh, Howling the Hills, by the way, is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Uh, for Atlanta purposes, let's say this would be somewhere Monroe. in be yeah, it would no, it would be somewhere in between um, Columbus and uh, Atlanta. Like once oh. you get past like one ninety five or one eighty five, that mm-hmm. area where there's like Callaway Gardens and that's it. You know, yeah. basically that's Howling in the Hills, except it's north because everything has to be north here in central Florida. Um, so, yeah, it's I, I got to chill a little bit with the with the drinking tonight, unfortunately. But I come prepared with stats and info, or at least info. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. Beautiful. Um, so as far as uh, as far as I go, like John said, this is the first time I'm drinking a while in a while on the uh, on the pod. I, and it's not anything good. My wife bought something. She's like, oh, this is going to be my new drink. It sat in the fridge for like a month. It is a a beatbox. I don't know what the hell it is. I, I think it's box wine. Uh, it looks like a protein shake if you're watching and I didn't say that. <laughs> I wish I would have just kept it at that. It's not. It's 11.1% alcohol by volume. So, I mean, it's better than beer. So, here we go. So, I will say I've had the watermelon beatbox. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. It's, it's No, this is fine. It's, I, this is the raspberry one. A blue raspberry because that's a real flavor. Uh, it just tastes like blue. Yeah, it tastes like blue exactly. Um, um, yeah. So I want to say, yesterday I got to see uh, Mike's son Lincoln play football, and yeah, this is you know for all intents and purposes throwing shade at one person, and it's not Lincoln. Um. So for his what eight U team. Is mm-hmm. that what he's on? His yeah. eight U team. He is their. Uh, he is their Bear Alexander, and by that I mean the only person on the defense making a difference and putting an effort. Um, <laughs> yeah, I will say, I only saw like two and a half quarters of the game, and he had three sacks and four tackles for loss. And he did tell the quarterback after one of the sacks that he was a bitch. So. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he just turned nine three weeks ago, and we've tried to work on the trash talking a little bit. It's like, hey, buddy, can you not curse quite yet? But you know what? I'm he not mad. He did also get you... flagged for cussing. I believe it was at a ref, wasn't it? He, yeah, well, what was it? Two two weeks ago during the uh, Georgia and Vandy game, I wasn't able to go to it because we were doing a school function. Um, he uh, he sacked the quarterback. The uh, the uh, It wasn't a referee. It was the coach for the other team. Ran out in the field, told my son that he was hitting too hard. And, and again, my son Lincoln proceeded to say, 
he needs to quit being a little bitch and then walked off. That's what I the coach told that. me. I that? support that 100. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, Who the hell football. says it? it? Exactly. Who says something like that in football? Is it a flag football? Too hard. Well, no, no, again, it's tackle. Once again, but what the hell are you talking about? Exactly. It might exactly my point. Their whole league gave me hardcore USC vibes. Well, it's funny because he he plays in uh, a more like a more affluent area of Savannah. Like we drive like forty minutes out there, and it's it's very soft. That we'll play kids from like you know the actual city itself. We've driven to fucking Hardyville, South Carolina, to, to play, get our ass kicked in a different state. They played Sandstorm after every fucking touchdown. <laughs> I shit you not. I, it was it was like forty two to nothing, and it was like every four minutes it was sandstorm. I um, already told Mike I would volunteer to coach next year because mm-hmm. there. Oh, it was it, the the offensive plays were were like run backwards and hope you find a hole. Oh no, it's fourth and thirty. Nobody can block besides <sighs> my son. He played two ways. He played center. For some fucking reason, because he volunteered for the first practice, and they've never moved him because nobody else can snap. Even though he's not great at snapping, but defensive line, they have him at a like nose tackle, and I think he's better as an edge or or an end. So we'll get that next year. Listen, uh, you are constantly out of position when you are playing at uh, certain levels because of mm-hmm. just size and speed. It doesn't matter if you're the fastest uh, kid if you are you know, six inches taller than every other kid and weigh 15 more pounds, guess what? You're playing left tackle because they don't have yep. anybody else who can who can block. So uh, it sucks for him in, in that case. But as someone who used to play offensive and defensive line, if he ever needs, a, you know, a quick coaching, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just coach him up from the from afar. No, yeah. I'm, I'm doing this over Zoom. I'm not driving up to Savannah. Are you sure? Shit. Yeah, I'm really sure. Well, okay. uh, it's, so it's a long I drive. I give him some defensive yeah. line tips because I played defensive line and uh, he told me to shut up. So he doesn't take, <laughs> he doesn't, it takes him a while to take coaching. It, it, it's a process. That's okay. It's a, it's understandable. Uh, once he gets his ass kicked a few times by other kids, then, yes. uh, then he'll start wanting to get some, some pointers. Yeah. So. To be fair, he is the old, like one of the oldest ones out there. Cause like I said, it's eight, eight, you team. He just turned nine a couple of weeks ago. And he's, I mean, I'm not small by any means. I'm not big either, but he's like, he's probably the second or third biggest kid out there. And, uh, Next year, when he plays like the ten U, he'll probably get a, a little bit bigger of a dose of reality when it comes to that. Once everybody starts hitting the growth spurts, then all bets are off. You yeah. you never know uh, what what's going to happen. Hell, he could end up being you know five foot nine, uh, hundred and sixty pounds. You never know with, yeah, my, with my, some my, shit like that. Yeah, I'm like six one. My wife's like five two. So there, who knows? But to that be is fair, a your oldest son so. is already as tall as Kelsey is. Yeah, that's true. He's in sixth grade. I want to um, say when I was I'm six five, so when I was when I was at least nine, that's when I eclipsed my mom, who's like five four. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so yeah, that that was something anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you're you're fine. We, we've got a football game to to discuss. Yeah, yeah we got. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. This it's also fascinating. Don't get me wrong. You know, but yeah. if we can do that recap next week. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. For sure. I'm drinking Wild Turkey Rare Breed Rye mainly because it's my fault we got on here late tonight and it was sitting <laughs> on the desk. Um, ah, yeah. I go. have the china cabinet full of whiskey over here to my right and was like, there's already something on the desk. Heard. 
Perfect. It chose itself. It did. Um, probably because I was too lazy to put it up when I had it for the Kentucky game a few weeks ago. There you go. It is what it is. Interesting. Drinking bourbon during the Kentucky game. Is, was well, that a theme no, drink of we, some kind? When kind we, of, yeah. Yeah. So we had Cash Daniel on to talk about mm. the Kentucky game. So when we were talking That's to fucker. Cash Daniel, I was <laughs> drinking my favorite Kentucky whiskey. I see. Okay, that that's that's fine. And you know what? The state of Florida is not exactly known for its liquor or its the best uh, whiskey to you know, come out of wine or... is out of Horse Soldier Distillery in uh, the Tampa area. The problem is, I finished both of my bottles of that a few months back, and it's not distributed in Georgia yet. Um, not for so, nothing. You, you could be coming down here this weekend if you want. I don't know if you were coming or not. But... Um, I am babysitting our friend's 16-month-old. And John volunteered to watch my four kids so I can come down. So whoa, that would mean shout-out, John. Shout-out, no, John. No. I said, if you drop your kids off at my house, they're going to be in the backyard with the dogs and have to fend for themselves. I'm going to lock the that door. That sounds exactly the same to me. You know what? Skyla can stay inside. The other three, okay, they right. just got to fight the dogs outside. We got They're a used to that anyway. They have there. sustenance. Mm. Um, but, but like, legit, though, I, there's, like, probably maybe a 30% chance that I make my way down there. Um, one of my colleagues is selling a couple uh, a couple tickets, so we're trying to work out the uh, logistics of it. So I may be down there for the game. Got my number, man. Text me. We'll We'll meet up. Oh, for sure. So to get into the game itself, Georgia, 14 and a half point favorites. It opened this week at 16. I want to say it was close to four scores at the beginning of the game. It's come down quite a bit, or beginning of the season. It's come down quite a bit since then. Sure. Um, over under a 47. Um, so this game has historically had more importance in the East than this year. But with that being said, Florida may have two season losses, only one of them being a conference loss. So, what is uh, Sunbelt Billy's approval rating through his first season and a half? So, I can only speak for myself because the fan base is decidedly, decidedly mixed. If you sit in my section, uh, there are times that he is um, uh, just you know, audulated and celebrated and all sorts of other words that Stephen A. Smith would use. Um, and then there's other times that they're, they want to lynch him because you know what, there's a lack of creativity sometimes. And this is where, you know, I call him hillbilly, of course, because, you know, he's from them hills of Georgia. Um, this is where he and I kind of depart uh, in, I'm I'm all for this whole recruiting thing. Yeah, great, awesome. We're ranked third in the, I think the twenty the twenty four seven sports rankings or some shit like that. Yay, awesome, cool. Yeah, it's not producing anything on the field because that doesn't translate until like two or three years down the line. Yeah, just check uh, out uh, Miami for that, right? Exactly. Uh, actually, a more poignant example uh, for me would be my own team. Uh, the Florida Gators of uh, of old, really, I hate to say that now, but Ron Zook was the coach that took over from yeah. Steve Spurrier, had a hell of a recruiting class. In fact, had a number one ranked recruiting class into uh, in 2003. Obviously, that didn't really work, work out for him, but the talent was there for 2006 
and that team to be a defensive nightmare for people. That has some of the toughest sons of bitches that ever played uh, at the University of Florida. So not for nothing, this could translate to, to things down the line. It's all well and good. I'm still of the opinion that the cupboard was not uh, bare when when he arrived. There was clearly some sorts of culture issues, but I feel like a one-off season should be enough to really rectify a lot of that, especially given the, the circumstances around the country at other programs. Yeah. Um, you see the ones that are going to work out pretty quickly. They, they may have a shitty first year, but by the year two, it's on. Uh, you know, that, and it's hitting the ground running. I don't think uh, the only coach that's really embraced this since, or well, I should say two um, coaches that have really embraced since Steve Spurrier left, the the identity and the culture of, that is Florida um, have been Dan Mullen and Urban Meyer. And that's because they like to score points. They like to have a creative, innovative offense that pisses people off because you don't know where the ball is going to be going to next. And Spurrier did that for a long time, two, uh, excuse me, 12 seasons at the University of Florida. Urban Meyer did it for four seasons. Dan Mullen did it for four seasons. You could even see it in his last season. His by far worst one took Alabama down to the wire. So, you know, there is something to be said about offensive-minded coaches that come in and like to toss the ball around. Billy Napier doesn't really like to do that. He likes to to establish the run, which he's got a couple of very good running backs this season in Montreal Jordan and uh, Trevor Etienne. Both of them are excellent. Um, And then he likes to, you know, play off that with play action pass, sprinkle in a couple of RPOs. He's never really been the downfield deep threat type of offensive play caller, at least not at the University of Florida. And that's where I think the fan base is starting to get a little bit more frustrated because we are so used at the used to it at the University of Florida, having someone who is willing to to call a post go, and having someone who's real, willing to just say fuck it, throw it up in the air and see what happens. Not for nothing. That's that was Kyle Pitts and uh, Kyle Trask all of 2020. Yeah. You know, and guess what? It works out when you have some great athletes. So. And there was no I, drywall I, left after that season. <laughs> Uh, in your house or mine, uh, there there was a couple. <laughs> there was frustrations on my side too, uh, but but nonetheless, it, when when you don't embrace when you try to change that basic type of culture at, at Florida and well, Muschamp's not tried to do it. Jim McElwain tried to do it. Ron Zook even tried to do it before Urban Meyer. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You've got to be uh, you know a fun and gun type of person. Billy Napier is just not that excitable. He is just deadpan, mumbles into the microphone, doesn't really have anything exciting to say. And gave his head, even though he has a full head of hair. I mean, yeah, yeah, weird. Like he's got like a half beard going for him. I'm not sure why that that's there, but I I appreciated how excited and pumped up he was after the South Carolina. That's the most excited I've seen him at the University of Florida. Hmm. Also, it, it was like a one on my scale of one to ten for for excitement just saying so that i think the fan base is starting to come around to him because we are improving as the team but nonetheless we're going to be frustrated every time that we do not throw the ball deep so all right caveat off of that do you think that he breaks down and gets an offensive coordinator this offseason 
It depends on who's available, to be honest with you. Um, Dan Mullen's still available. <laughs> I he did pretty well he, the last time he was OC there. Yeah, I, I won't lie. I, I would take him in a heartbeat, just like I would have taken uh, Will Muschamp to be the defensive coordinator after his run. Um, I got to be honest with you. I, I don't see him doing that. I think it's kind of an ego thing with him. Knowing Billy Napier's history, uh, you know, as a as a coach, uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that he was the offensive coordinator for Dabo Sweeney under Clemson uh, or or at Clemson. Uh, the first little run there where he start, they started picking up some steam as a program. Like the Taj um, Boyd era? Yeah, exactly. I, uh, a little bit after that. coordinators have such a history of doing well as head coaches. Um, you know, Chad Morris? Yeah. Just to name one? Just to name one? Uh, he, well, Chad Morris was actually, I believe, the one who replaced Dylan Napier. So uh, there's that. He then went was one of the first coaches to go through the the Saban uh, coaching uh, laundry. Yeah. Uh, and very quickly was promoted to wide receivers coach. Then ended up going over to to Arizona State, where the entire staff was fired, with the exception of uh, Billy, who was begged to stay by Herm Edwards during that weird ass time where Herm oh, wow. Edwards was a, was a coach uh, over at Arizona State. But he had a, a head coaching offer on the table, and that's why he uh, he left. He went to the Raging Cajuns of the University of Louisiana and clearly turned that program around uh, where they were a 2-10 and 10 program uh, for the most part. They ended up being an 11-2 uh, program by the time that he left. Uh, so he's he's got something in him uh, when it comes to offense. Um, he he called his own plays when he was over at uh, Louisiana. So it, once there's buy-in from the team, I can see it. But I do. It also depends on how he finishes this year and who's available. Because if there is someone like a Bobby Petrino uh, that take, took the position over at Texas A&M, you'd be stupid not to to at least you know kick the tires on a premier offensive coordinator that's out. Especially if he aligns with your your type of offense that you already play. For sure. Um, all right, so let's get to uh, the quarterback. And and I was thinking about this earlier, like right before we got on uh, with Graham Mertz. Like before the season, I mean, we were to be fair, we were shitting on him, which I think a lot of people were. Like I, that, I was shitting on him. Yeah, but I mean, at this point, honestly, he's probably Even what no worse than the second game. Everyone around the country yeah. was shitting on him. But like he at this point, it. is he like? He's probably what no worse than maybe fifth, as like I mean you know it's still pretty mid in the SEC, but like he's not as bad as a lot of other like quarterback play has been. Honestly, I mean if you're just looking just looking at the uh, at the uh, the box score and all that. But with that said, uh, Graham Mertz uh, is third in completion percentage, but he is 77th in passing yards per completion at 11.16, and 26th in passing yards. Is this a uh, function of the offense, or is he just not taking downfield chances? To his like on his own it's a little bit of both and it started okay. to change a little bit more in the south carolina game uh if you'll if you were able to watch that game yes uh, he, did, he, yeah. he definitely took a lot more downfield shots i think the fans might have gotten to napier uh, a little bit and the fans might have gotten to mertz a little bit too uh, for that mm-hmm. matter and he definitely took some uh, some chances throwing the ball uh to khalil jackson uh for just a beautiful diving catch uh, right uh, to yeah. get him uh, uh, first and goal there, uh, right before I think their second touchdown. Uh, and then the the strike that he threw to Ricky Pearsall uh, to end that game, just, I mean, point on 
perfect. It's great. It's wonderful that he has that kind of ability in him, and I expect to see that on every fucking throw. That's how you play quarterback in the University of Florida. Great. That's wonderful that he did it for a game. But to your point, he continues to check down to every single wheel route, in route uh, that's available to him, and that's partially because of the play calling. Hmm. Billy Napier also likes to run this motion where uh, you're running a uh, wide receiver in uh, into the backfield across so that he can every now and then throw a jet sweep in there to throw someone off. And off of that play action, he does a bootleg uh, out. And usually what's available to him is a tight end. And the tight end's running, you know, basically a five-yard out. That, that's all he's he's looking for. For once in that South Carolina game, it was that stupid-ass play that I can't stand, it was that, that I just described. Um, but that's where the Khalil Jackson um, uh, pass ended up, uh, you know, coming from. It was that that motion. So it's possible for him to to be a better downfield threat. But to your point, it's a little bit of the play calling and a little bit of, I, I think the the time at Wisconsin got to him. Yeah, you yeah. know where at, at Wisconsin, that is very much a a different culture of football that is very much a grounded pound and you know every now and then throw a play action um mm-hmm. pass to the tight end type uh, of team yeah. so I, I think that part of the that was a function of that but also you know i don't think that he has the strongest arm that's out there we if you can find a, a nice range of 15 25 yards uh downfield i think that that those stats would go up a little bit and I think the the completion percentage would jump down, but I think that would make him an overall better quarterback. Sure. So, once again, a caveat off of that question: Are you ready to admit that Ricky Pearsall is the best player on the team? We talked about it week one. Yeah, I, I don't. So, for you Georgia fans, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, the number one uh, for. Florida is generally speaking reserved and given to either the offensive or defensive playmaker, like the, the go-to guy, pure, uh, Percy Harvin. Harvin. Yeah. Uh, was the perfect example. Mm-hmm. Uh, not for nothing. Tim Tebow was obviously the leader, the captain, Jesus, whatever you want to call him. But Percy Harvin was the better football player and he absolutely deserved to wear number one. Same thing with Ricky Pearsall. He is by far the best athlete on the team. The catch that he made against McNeese State was the most outstanding catch I've ever seen in my entire life. The fact mm-hmm. that he basically did the Jordan logo uh, while making that, that catch. catch. Oh, God, that was outstanding. There's very few times that that game was one of the uh, was the only home game uh, that I missed this year. And that, by the way, when you're having to go drive to three straight Night games, it gets a, uh, it gets a little. Yeah, because you're driving right back I after that, right? Two home games yeah. in September because Georgia had four in a row. Yeah, that's just it's a lot. So I had to skip that uh, that one. But now I'm I'm missed live the catch of the year, uh, in in my opinion because that that was just that special. I jumped uh, out of my chair. I don't get up when I'm <laughs> uh, you know at home. I, it, I'm like an old lazy dog. One, once I'm in the chair, I'm out. I'm done. Somebody else is going to have to get me a beer. That made me jump in, uh, up in Hopler. It was great. Hmm. All right. So Florida is currently tied for 100th in sacks allowed with 19 on the season. Is the line not good at pass blocking, or is Mertz holding on to the ball too long? 
it's a little bit we have to go back a little bit to my answer about the the play calling with this it's not that they're terrible at pass blocking uh although their starting center um uh, has been out for most of the year jake slaughter the current uh, center has filled in admirably don't get me wrong but there was a reason why he was not going to start uh, this season, it's because Kingsley uh, Iguakin, uh, I believe is, is how you pronounce his last name, uh, is a much better football player and has played more snaps. Now, the the problem with the offense is that if you are constantly throwing off of that boot action, well, you're not really protecting uh, Mertz as a uh, you know as a pocket, so to speak. When he has an actual pocket play uh, uh, to to actually throw from, it's a different story. But he is constantly asked to go out on that boot and style motion, uh, coming off of uh, the the sweep that that was coming in from the wide receivers. So, uh, it's a little bit of a function of their, him not having a blocker to block for him, uh, as a play design, that as well. Now, also, yeah, he's just a white guy that's just not that fast. He's never going to be, uh, you know, he's sneaky. He's sneaky athletic. He's okay. Yeah, but he's, he's not Stetson Bennett, you know, is what I'm hearing. Right. There, he's in that gray area. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll call it gray. Um, he's, I mean, he's been able to run for a first down on occasion, but he also hasn't done so against any level of competition. The, the times that he has taken off and run, it was against the Charlottes and the McNeese states of the world. So I don't um, – I, I attribute it more so to the types of plays that we're running – uh, more so than just pass protection uh, breaking down. But also the, the game against Kentucky, guys, they were atrocious in, in that game when it came to all forms of blocking, run blocking, pass blocking, sun blocking. Uh, I think that they had SPF 15 on the sidelines, and that shit ain't going to cut it. So, you know, the, we, we've got to uh, get a little bit better, especially against the more premier players out there as well. Hmm. So uh, after starting the season with a great rushing attack that has gone kind of downhill since then, uh, they're currently 81st in the country. What's happened? A couple things. Um, you went from having a one-two punch to a one-punch. You had because uh, Trevor Etienne was out for, I believe, the second half of Kentucky and all the following week, and oh. that was a guy that you know against uh, Tennessee put up 163 yards. Uh, mm. So. It's, Taking away that type of running back uh, for a week and a half, basically, yeah, uh, that's going to cost you some rushing yards. Uh, Montreal Jordan, don't get me wrong, he is a great running back. In fact, he has more yards than ETN on the season, but that's a function of him playing a full game more. Uh, we've got the right around 1,000 total yards of, ru- of rushing. I-, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. It could be a, a lot better, but I also think that they are trying to balance the offense a little bit better because to your point we were not very good on offense when it came to the passing attack earlier in the season and that has improved substantially sometimes that, that just kind of happens and maybe we need to figure out that we are in fact a passing team and not a running team and maybe this offense will explode i don't know but um certainly the, there's the talent there uh, at the skill positions anyway to to make it a a good running team i just think the play calling and the uh, offensive line isn't necessarily pulling both of their weights at that point. Be fair, like I, there's a few players on Florida's team that scared the shit out of me. Uh, Etienne is definitely one of them. As you should be scared of him. He's got a Chipotle yeah. commercial, guys. I mean, he's clearly going to be. Yeah, absolutely. It must oh, be wow. a local to Florida thing. Yeah, I, yeah, probably. We 
because it's definitely in there with his brother. Uh, they're they're oh. both on, in there. So yeah, that makes. He's sense. making that nil money though, so good for him. I you know I was on the Ricky Pearsall train last year because I thought he was the only receiver that was good enough to catch missiles from Anthony Richardson, but that's the player that scares me the most. God, dude, Ricky Pearsall is. I don't yeah. know what he was like. What his rating was out of high school, but it wasn't high enough. So yeah. this is my problem with the the entirety of recruiting. Um, don't get me wrong. There's obviously some guys that you just can't miss on. But anybody who is going to be six foot ten, three hundred fifteen pounds, and have four percent body fat and playing left tackle, yes, that guy's probably going to be the best left ta- left tackle ever. Don't get me wrong. But somebody like Ricky Pearsall, who's not the to- tallest guy in the world. He's like five nine, five so ten he's somewhere. Florida's in Lad McConkey. Hunter Renfro. More Hunter Renfro. Okay. That's 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 more the comp. And the reason why I say that is because I think Lad McConkey gets uh, kind of overshadowed by the other targets that are available to Carson Beck, uh, and the fact that you know uh, McConkey's been hurt uh, for most of the year has you know forced others to step up as well. Um, you know, plus, you know, Brock Bowers, it's one of those, you know, overshadowing and overriding things that I would love to have on my team, make no mistake. So, um, the, the reason why I say Connor Renfro is the better comp is because Renfro very clearly was a focal point out of the slot. I think that's where the future is for Ricky Pearsall in, in the NFL. He is so playing uh, on the outside. Yeah, base, very much so. Uh, very did, much so. Did he play lacrosse at any point? Does he play lacrosse right now? Uh, well, he's from the West Coast, so I, I don't know. But he also has some weird yeah. tattoo things going on. So, I don't, mm. you know, he might not have that lacrosse in him. I, I don't know. Uh, okay. But uh, he's definitely not wearing lacrosse shirts. I know that. Good for him. Yeah. Good, good for, I mean, when you're spo- when your team's sponsored by Jordan, if you're wearing Lacoste, there's a problem. Well, there is a tiny little alligator on the, the polo, so. I, tell me you drive your dad's BMW without telling me you drive your dad's BMW. My dad doesn't have a BMW. Well, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about kids in their 20s wearing Lacoste. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. I didn't buy my first Lacoste shirt until I was married, so. Uh, I can't even say that correctly. What, what did you think it was pronounced? I, I, the I don't know. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so, so we're going to move on to the defense here. So the Gators currently have the 18th ranked total defense in the country. How much of that is a function of the schedule playing an injured Utah team? Then you had McNeese and Charlotte. And then how much of that is just that they're that good? I think it's uh, they're quietly better than you realize that they are. Because even though that Utah team didn't have Cam Rising starting at quarterback, the very first play of that game, they did throw a 75-yard bomb on our strong safety. And he uh, only had three safety. more touchdowns over the next six weeks. Exactly. So we kind of shut him down after that, though. The score, in, that was a destined blowout game if this was 2022, especially under the or even before that. Uh, with Grantham on uh, you know on the sidelines, so they did lock it down a little bit more, and they only ended up giving up 22 points on the road to a top 10 team. What are we bitching about with with that from a defense? We're really like really, yeah, um, you know. Uh, and then coming back home to the swamp, Tennessee was able to to run all over the place on Alabama. His 
historically one of the best defenses in this conference. Except Held this them. year. Okay, yes, but I said historically, not not this year. Uh, still, nonetheless, it's not easy to go into Bryant-Denny and, and yeah. play like they they did. They came to the Swamp and got their asses kicked. And it wasn't, a, uh, you know, oh, we Tennessee just had an off night. No, they kicked their ass on defense. Absolutely. It was not a pretty product. There's a reason why a fight broke out at the end of that game. It's because everybody <laughs> yeah. was being a dick to each other, and yep. we and were not playing nice. Trash. Well, yeah. Well, and Tennessee hasn't won a game in uh, in Gainesville like, during any of those players' lives. Oh, no. No, they really haven't. None the of last, them were alive. The last time uh, was 2003 that they won a game. Uh, actually, no, I take that back, 2001. It was the 9-11 makeup game. So uh, they were supposed so, to play on. I was in sixth. I was in sixth grade. I have four kids and a fucking mortgage. Let's go. <laughs> um, I was in kindergarten the last time Tennessee won in Gainesville. Are you that much younger than me? Holy shit! Okay, <laughs> man, I, I'm so glad that I have just for men. Uh, otherwise, I'd be <laughs> looking like a gray ass Santa Claus on this. Honestly, um, the ring light does a lot for me because I've actually got a you know a f- quite a few grays in the beard. Oh no, the ring light does mean nothing but a disservice. I I have to like dar- darken this thing up, otherwise I do look like a well, just like a brotastic Santa Claus is the the way that I like to put it. Well, there you go. Solid. Yeah, I'm not exactly like I'm bad. No. you know, I'm not exactly like oh ho ho ho. It's like ho ho ho. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> With an E. There you go. All right, we were talking about defense, right? Proud of that. Yeah, we're... we were talking about defense. yes. So defensively, yes. All right. So there's a couple different reasons why this defense is significantly different than the makeup of last year's team. One, the the incoming freshman class has been filled with nothing but studs in in the defensive backfield. Uh, They're not the most uh, interception-worthy team. Don't get me wrong. We're not going to pick off many balls. But also we're playing pretty damn tight coverage against some of the best receivers that are out there. Second, when it comes to the defensive line, and that's where, you know, this game is really won and lost, they have eight or nine guys that rotate in and out uh, and can actually play some ball. Now, it's not the same talent level as a UGA. I'm not saying that that's the case. I think that there is still like a, a increment there that, that Florida has to, to catch up to when it comes to uh, the talent on, on defense. But... They're, they are starting to build some depth there finally. And when you have depth, you are able to send your best out there for the most critical of plays. And that's something that was not there last year, 2021, you know, even going back into 2020. We did not have the depth. And now we, we seemingly have the depth there to, to actually maybe, maybe make some noise on set. So the, uh, the Russian defense has been elite. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody can argue that, uh, with the exception of the Kentucky game, obviously. I can. Like Ray Davis. I was about to say. Uh, yeah, Ray, uh, the, Ray Davis, I mean, two and a half. He's running over everybody. Yards, right? You know, don't, yeah. don't get but, me wrong. But besides that, because Kentucky's shit the bed ever since then, but yeah. that was their that was their Super Bowl. But yeah. um, uh, if you take out that game, they're, uh, they're, av- they're uh, sorry, they're allowing an average of 90.8 yards per game. Uh, if that game weren't played, they'd be 10th in the country. So with that said, how well do you think that they do against Georgia with uh, Amarius Mims back on the offensive line. So having watched a couple of Georgia's games the, this year, and this, it's not so much about who's better. It's about 
a, a matchup that that I see. I this is partially just a function of uh, Mike Bobo being back as offensive coordinator. They tend to call the same five running plays. Doesn't matter what mm-hmm. what those five running. I mean, it's just trap. shockingly none of them are I formation, which we were actually yeah, calling it's, it's, for to start the season. Yeah, we uh, wanted the very first play of the Mike Bobo era to be a fucking I formation, like eight gap run or a toss toss sweep, one of the two. We just <laughs> wanted to happen. see everyone's head explode simultaneously, yeah. <laughs> and we're disappointed. And, and it would have. It, it, they they absolutely would have. It would have been like Mars Attacks at the end of that movie. That's a reference for <laughs> for someone. Um, so, look, Mike Bobo, he's going to only produce a handful of plays, and he's going to run those plays like it's Novocaine. What, what it, was it that Denzel said And Remember the Titans? Just give it time, but it will eventually work. That seems to be how the, the Georgia offense uh, is run, regardless of who's it running back. Mims is an excellent player. Uh hate that he's back for this game. Glad to see Brock Bowers is out. Um, you know, hey, so you don't say that on these airwaves. You say, I hate that he's hurt, but if he had to be out, this is the game for it. He's our special boy. Don't say anything bad about our special I boy. I would have Brock Bowers' children. Okay. That's, I, I mean, like, biologically impossible, but sure, sure. I mean, you know what? It's 2023. What the hell am we're, I saying? We're willing to try. Why not? Yeah, exactly. It's 2023. Exactly. You know, that's it's the a, current that's a year. Joke. If if this clip gets put out and somehow goes viral, this was 100% a joke. <laughs> Millions, do not put this out. Please don't. Or do, because it would get no, a lot of traffic. No. Yeah, please. You know what? Actually, yes. Put this out there. It's the current year, okay? That's that's how you should you should define it. So that it can be evergreen. You can use this clip again like five years from now. Um, I hope Brock Bowers is still playing for Georgia in five years. It, it's not Stetson Bennett, man. Like, you know, he's going to exhaust that eligibility at some point. I still You never know. know. COVID could come back. We could have another COVID. Don't say sometimes that. It, sometimes it is here, but... We'll not in the state right of Florida, it's not. But that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> um, Everywhere but Savannah. Ah, is that what it is? is yeah. That, that yeah. sucks. Uh, well... You know, you're welcome to come down to the Sunshine State where sunshine is, in fact, the best disinfectant. Um, having said all of that to get back to the actual game portion of it, no, I'm not excited about facing Mims in the backfield, but also if we can figure out which of the five running plays that, that Mike Bobo is going to call, perhaps we can bottle them up a little bit better. The linebackers for Florida are far more athletic than I think a lot of people give them credit for, and that's uh, Scooby Williams and Shamar James. Both of them are kind of undersized uh, for most SEC linebackers, but they can fly to the ball. They can flat out hit you. I really think that, that they can track down uh, Mims a little bit better than some of the other competition has been able to thus far. So you already mentioned it a little bit, but for the flip flip side of the front seven, they're tied 110th in sacks. So what's stopping this front seven from getting to the quarterback? Part of it is that we are not blitzing anymore. And that's okay. So anti-Griffin. Yeah. I I think that we kind of needed a little bit of an antidote to to grant them in that respect. 
I wish they would blitz a little bit more often. Uh, you know, I don't love seeing eight drop back into coverage on an obvious pass play. I want to see them get a little bit more pressure, but they've emphasized this year more tight coverage and making sure that somebody doesn't catch the ball instead of getting to the quarterback. It's also been uh, that, you know, when you play a team like Kentucky and the way that they played against us, well, I mean, they didn't have to call a pass play. So how how many sack opportunities could you genuinely have? I think they only threw the ball a dozen times that that game. So, you know, there's there's only we've not played the most pass happy offenses that are, that are out there. When we have played passing teams against the Utah, we did okay ish uh, against them. But we and we've also made a couple of, of sacks here and there. But also the game of college football has changed to a degree where it's more along those RPO lines where ball's getting out quick, much quicker than it used to be. That's partially why uh, Graham Mertz has that high uh, completion percentage is because he's getting the ball out quick. So there's just not as many opportunities. And frankly, when we also have, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, our, our big guy, uh, number 21, Watson there. Watson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's not exactly what you would call a, um, just a fast person. You can remove the S and you'd be accurate, but uh, he's <laughs> he, he's not the speed demon that some of the other guys are. So I may clip that and put it out on social media because that was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> that I'm was gold. To, yeah, I'm glad to hear I could provide some sort of content for you guys. <laughs> All right, so the uh, the secondary has been better than uh, people outside of Gainesville yeah. Gainesville expected for sure. So currently they're 21st in the country in passing yards allowed. Uh, similar to the front seven, they're tied for 125th in the country in interceptions. So what's the deal with the secondary? It's a base defense, guys. I mean, what what are we at? At the end of the day here, football is is a game of you know making a big play every now and then, but you got to be steady when it comes down to you know, things like your passing attack and trying to defend against that. If they don't catch the ball, who the fuck cares if they did, if we dropped it uh, as an interception or not, they didn't gain the yards. That's what matters ultimately. And they've been doing a wonderful job of being able to break up passing, uh, passing plays. Now having said that, yes, I would like to see more big plays because really the biggest interception of the year uh, came against Tennessee on a duck pass, on a miss route on, uh, you know, something that I think we hit the, uh, Desmond Watson obliterated Joe Milton on that play. Well, I mean, once he actually makes contact with you, it's going to (laughs) hurt. It's fair. I mean, you know, you can't be that large and, you know, run into somebody and it not hurt, except for maybe me because I'm also that large. But, you know, that's kind of like the, you know, two brick walls running into each other at that point. I... I just don't think that they they've emphasized going after the ball uh, for for the turnover. They've also dropped a couple of interceptions this year too. There's a reason why a lot of those guys are playing defensive back, and it's because they can't catch. That damn sure can defend, and they're they're fast as hell. So, what is the one thing that you're confident that Florida will do well on Saturday in? That is an excellent question. One that even though I was given a, a sheet and knew this answer was, or knew this question was coming, <laughs> I still don't really have a, a solid answer for this. Um, and, and partially that's because 
Napier, I think, has shown that he can throw the ball against the South Carolina. I'm not confident that he's going to be able to do that. Against Tennessee, he had one of the best running games uh, that I've seen in a long, long time at the University of Florida. Not since the Will Muschamp era has the rushing attack been that heavily emphasized against anyone. So we could do one or the other, or we could do neither. I mean, that's that's very much apparent to me. I suppose the one thing that I would say that for for us to do well, I, it, it's going to be pass coverage. It really is. We're we're not scared. We're not. We have the speed uh, to be able to contend with the Georgia wide receivers. I don't think very highly of Carson Beck as a quarterback or really a picture taker um, because. God, his team photo is just something to behold. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, very Jacksonville, very methy lo- looking. Looks like yeah, he might have taken from some Jacksonville. Adderall. He's yeah. from there. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's why I said he's very Jacksonville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks like he's coked out on Adderall, and good for him if he was. But also, I, that doesn't mean that he's really zeroing in on those wide receivers. He's still seeing something shiny in the stands, I guess. So you know, there's there's going to be opportunities for us to, to play well uh, in pass coverage. I don't necessarily think that we're going to stop the the rushing attack because really nobody's really stopped uh, the rushing attack for UGA this year. It's just been kind of a ho-hum type yeah. of attack without the biggest of plays. It doesn't mean that they're not how, – how many yards per game is, is Georgia piling up? I mean, it's over 500 or at least close to it, right? Exactly. So yeah. it's not as though uh, you know they're hurting for yards or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Where they're hurting and where I see the potential for, for an attack is the red zone offense does not seem to be well-suited for well, Yeah, Mike Bobo loves to call an, uh, an A-gap run every time they get in the red zone um, to yeah. get zero yards and waste it down. At first <laughs> down, I always yell running off the middle and my, bo- my boy fucking listens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mike Bobo's he's a man of the people if the people are yeah. yelling A-gap run on first and 10 at the 18. <laughs> They'll never see it coming. You know, fun fact about Mike Bobo, uh, did you know uh, that he is the only quarterback in the last, yes, right around 75, 80 years or something like that to actually play a game in the swamp? Did you know he's the oh, first okay. SEC quarterback to yeah. win an overtime game? That I did not know. But I guess it makes Auburn. sense. Yeah. Yeah, the Uga yeah. biting uh, the uh, Auburn, trying to bite the Auburn receiver game. Yeah, Uga yeah. trying to go after Robert Baker. Yep. The year before that was when Bobo and company came, came down to the swamp. They were doing uh, some renovations over at the Gator Bowl, now TIAA State Bank Stadium. They may have uh, changed it back to like Everbank or whatever. Oh, have I they? I think. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It, it, Honestly, it's all corporate. You know, American being down banks here, don't it, know what they're doing. They don't no. know how to name the thing. And and also being down Truth. here, uh, you would think that I would be suffering through Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, you know, football when it comes to Sundays. But thankfully, the Miami Dolphins have been uh, on instead of the Jags, and so I haven't been able to watch much of uh, many games out of that stadium this year. So I have no idea what the fuck it's called. I'll You're find out on, lucky on Saturday. To be, uh, to be not watching the Falcons play. They Disagree. Might be, big fact, they big might facts. be winning some games, but it's it's awful. It's ugly. Listen, I'm with you guys on so many things. Okay, anything that is Atlanta, I'm perfectly fine with. 
I can I can because I've I've said this for many many years. There's I'm from Atlanta. I'm not from Georgia. Okay, so I am very much a Braves fan, very much a Falcons fan. You step outside the city limits, fuck it. I hate everything that, that's outside the city limits. But once you okay, get inside you would like there, like Savannah, if you came here, you, you, for real? yeah, it's great to come and visit every now and then. But I, it's there's also only, great to live here. I, I'm it sure is. we both live here. I'm boring. sure that it's fine. Delightful. Okay, but it, do, do you guys have theme parks like right down the road from from y'all? Like big well, ass ones that people. Well, we have open containers. I'm, the same I'm deal. A mentally, was, I'm fair. a mentally stable adult, so what I do is I go. I'm going with the. Uh, I go get hammered um, instead of go to theme parks. Why not do both? That's a good point. You can drink around Epcot. So so here's the thing. Once again, we're throwing it back to the intro. I don't have the money to get Disney drunk. Uh, now that is uh, something that that I do usually spend my money on is Disney and drinking. Uh, no, so I, I'll like tomorrow. I'm gonna go get a six pack of Tall Boy PBRs for six dollars. Hell yeah! <laughs> Wait, they still only cost six bucks? Yeah, they, they have do. inflation. $6. They'd be up to ten. No, Tall Boy PBR six pack six bucks, and then That's... I'm gonna go hang out with my friends on Tybee. Throw some frisbees through the woods in dark, you know. Maybe hit something else, and come home. I, I think Amanda bought a six pack of Sam Adams Oktoberfest for like twenty bucks. Oh my god! It's like eighteen ninety nine or some okay, shit like that. And let's be honest, Sam Adams Sam Adams Oktoberfest is not twenty dollars good. I mean, it's a comfort beer for me, so I'm willing to pay it. You know, I'm not willing to pay thirty for it, at least not right now. Uh, but I am it a is... whiskey or the cheapest beer I can find kind of person. John can attest. Every time we've uh, we've hung out, I'm, I only drink PBR because I'm cheap. I drink like I'm fucking 16. <sighs> that's that's okay. I drink expensive scotch. And, I, you know, vodka is my vice that, uh, that yeah, I'm, I... I'm willing to go cheap on. Tito's yeah. and tonic for me uh, when, when it comes to that. But uh, with beer, I'm still a Sweetwater 420 guy. Anytime I go. see that, I, I gobble it up. So... See, I, when I, you come visit Savannah, I need you. I need to take you to a place called Two Tides Brewing. Okay. okay do they have like, a solid pale ale like four four twenty is or? Uh, it's, it's better. Like their six foot IPA. Is one of, if not the best, IPAs I've ever had. It's bold words, but to be fair, I also kind of grew up drinking Sweetwater 420. My mom, yeah. at one point, worked for a company that uh, used, uh, well, I guess Sweetwater used them as their uh, warehouse, basically, uh, because they were renting warehouse space. They didn't have their own at the time. Uh, and, yeah, one of the benefits of that was she would always bring uh, dad home a case. And dad didn't always drink those <laughs> beers, so... <laughs> Yeah. I learned how to drink real well on Sweetwater 420. It's a, it's another one of those comfort beers for me. Well, when you come to Savannah, we're going to take you to Two Tides. I, I'm okay with that. I'm willing to experiment with beer. Not so much whiskey. I'm, I'm very much as... I've got two types of scotch that I'll drink, and that's about it. Whoa, you don't drink bourbon? Nope. Too sweet. Too sweet for me. I know I that seems have, like a, a little I weird. Have something, but... I still have something that I think you would like. There is the occasional like one-off that that might I might go oh that's not like Jim Beam just fancier, 
you know, that, that might be the case. But for me, uh, I'm a huge scotch guy because it's a lot more smoky. And this is something that for all of you underage kids out there, if you learn how to drink scotch when you're 19 years old, guess what? You're not going to get carded at a bar. Nobody cards you when you order scotch. Not a single person. <laughs> That's fair. I have two bottles of scotch in my in my cabinet. And one is Brook Laddie Classic Laddie. And okay. I have a Glenfiddich 18. Glenfiddich, I will drink. I love I Glenfiddich. Love. Is my favorite Scotch. Point. Blank. I am more of a McAllen guy personally, but that's okay. uh, and there's nothing wrong uh, with uh, with Glenfiddich. Um, just like there's really nothing wrong with Johnny Walker. Uh, I mean, there's that's fine if you want to drink. Uh, you have to drink the upper levels though of the Johnny Correct. Walker. You can't you, you can't Black slum it in the, the red. Lowest you can go. Yeah, you cannot slum it with the red. No. You really can't. That's that shit's disgusting. But the blue, it, oh good god, it's just oh, it's so wonderful. It is. It's absolutely delicious. I, you know, when I was back living in Atlanta, I had uh, this ridiculous sales quota for for me, and it was um, the year before I had kind of set records for sales and stuff like that. Um, my quota was uh, pal- paltry, $250,000, and I sold $1.1 million. So a little bit above and beyond. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. The 420% yeah. to quota. That, that's mm-hmm. still a record, I believe, for that company. Hell yeah. They bumped that up, obviously, and said, well, you're going to sell another million dollars, and that happened to be 2020. So that was mm-hmm. a fun time. But still, I exceeded it uh, somehow and sold $1.2 million. Once I did cross the one million dollar threshold, though, that's when I sent uh, the wife out to go get a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue for celebration. This is something that I don't think a lot of people know. This is not to get political or anything like that, right? During that time, that, the price of scotch skyrocketed. Yes, it did. Hmm. Yes, hmm. it did. Okay. I know exactly why, and I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame anybody in particular, but somebody who is being protectionist and tariffy. Just saying. I was about to say, Just there, saying. that is one of the few times where there is a certain individual you can blame. Yeah. There's <laughs> one specific one that I can blame. Correct. Yes. So, anyway, I, I'll, I'll let it go at that, because this is supposed to be a football podcast, right? Right? Yes. I mean, we you, haven't talked you sort of talked about solid football. 10 minutes, but yes. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Look, I love these kinds of shows, honestly. The ones that go off the yeah. fucking walls, those are my favorite types of podcasts. So. For sure. All right, so we got one last game-related question. Okay. And then we're going to get into some other stuff real quick. Okay. Mike? Oh, sorry. All right, <laughs> sorry. Um, so what is your biggest concern for Florida in this game? Um, really, for me, it's being able to get through the first half. What I mean by that is if you watch the South Carolina game for for UGA, uh, for instance, South Carolina was able to put up a damn strong fight for the first half. Came out flat-footed in the second half. Part of that is the coaching adjustments that Georgia was making on the sidelines. But it's let's be real. They didn't blow the doors off them in the second half. What was the final score of that that game? Like 41-39, something like that? 24-14. Oh, I was thinking South Carolina, my bad. So, you know, very clearly – you know, Georgia came back in full force, but they came back in full force to all of three touchdowns. To uh, be fair, right? I was at that game 
and it was like 30 mile an hour winds and pouring down rain. Okay. But they I, still know. Uh, my, my point, though, being is that Georgia's not the strongest of first half teams. I watched them against uh, Vanderbilt a couple of weeks ago. It's not as though they came out firing on all, all cylinders there. Now, look, I know that they're playing a nooner uh, at Vandy, and nobody's up for th- for those games. But if you're the same sort of, you know, talent-rich, you know, number one ranked team that's not prone to any sort of upset, you go out and you kick the shit out of somebody like Vanderbilt, even if it is a nooner. So there is, uh, like, something to be said about getting through that first half. If we can get – if we can pile up the points – and maybe you know get it to the point where it it becomes a boat race, but they they end up not having enough in the tank. That'd be the ideal uh, scenario for me on Saturday, obviously, because and that's honestly the only way that I see them pulling off a win is is kind of going up like twenty eight to seven uh, at, at halftime, and then just continuing to match blow for blow, and hopefully hopefully hanging on. Um, now I have to ask you guys here because I really, I genuinely don't know what is Georgia special teams like? because Florida special teams have, have turned around all of a sudden here. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see what, what this one goes. With. So in that South Carolina game, it was awful. But yeah. like I said, high 30 winds, mile an hour win rain, rain. Gotcha. And as someone sitting in the stands, it was absolutely fucking miserable, but <laughs> That I think Peyton Woodring as the kicker has only missed four field goals all season and three were during that game. Okay. And then you right. have you have the Aussie uh Brett Thorson who you know pins Tennessee that, that, back in that game last year for what should have been a safety. 75-yard punt. Didn't call it. Um yep. So outside of the South Carolina game, the special teams have been phenomenal. Fair enough. But but okay, I'll, I will point this out. I mean, and I this may just be um, like anecdotal or whatever. But it seems like the last like maybe like three or so games that um, punt, you know, punt return, kick return, they struggled a little bit to field the balls. Like uh, Makai Muse, um, I think he's, he's muffed what like two or th- yeah, he's had like two like a, I want to say like three muffs the last few games. Like so he's he's fallen on top so, of them. Yeah, he hasn't lost. I don't think he's lost any. Solid. Yeah, so, but at, at some point that's going to catch up to him if he continues to have the you know in the case of the drops he's there. But that's the one thing that would concern me a little bit. Brett Thorson hasn't played enough. We don't punt like no, not not to be like too braggadocious or anything like that. But like yeah. they really haven't punted all that much. Like there's I was about to say I think he's got out. less than ten punts on the season. Yeah, okay. George. I mean, if 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 Georgia doesn't score, it it's usually because they miss a field goal or they have a turnover. And they've had yeah. more tur- – it feels like, again, anecdotally, they feel, it feels like they've had more turnovers this year than at, at this point than they did the last, you know, the last couple of years. And I, I could also, be totally wrong about that. From what I've seen, they've also stalled out more yeah. so at, like, the 35-yard line where they might gamble and maybe go for it on fourth and one or, right. or something like that. So they've had a couple of those drives as well. The only reason I bring this up is because I do want to get the best-named kicker uh, that I think is out there right now in Trey Smack. I want to give him some uh, some Ooh. love. That Ooh. is a great kicker. That is a great name. UCF's kicker's last name is Boomer. Oh, okay, that's pretty good. That is, and no, nothing. Trey Smack, Oklahoma last Smack. Week. So Boomer was punting at punting Oklahoma to Boomer last week. Yeah, 
I can see that. Oh, wow. That was a good one. I just well, watched that one. game yesterday. All time for kickers, though. Like, Dicker the kicker at Texas. Yeah. Oh, no, that's the best one. You can't, yeah. you can't beat yeah. that. Um, but, no, the, seriously, uh, Trace Mack has come on. Adam Mahalik started the, the, the season as the place kicker. Missed uh, a couple of field goals against uh, Charlotte, uh, I believe. And ever since then, it's been Trace Mack in there uh, as the, the place kicker. And he has been perfect. He's not missed a single field goal or a single uh, extra hmm. point. Uh, like you guys, we have a, an Aussie-style punter or an Aussie punter. And he's a, one of those weird ones, too, like Cam Smith on the PGA Tour, uh, who's got like a mustache that really shouldn't be a mustache because it's very peach fuzzy uh, and kind of has a mullet uh, situation going on. That's just the Australian I was about to say, right one now. of my real good friends lives in Australia, and uh, and he says almost everybody that's not like a hardcore professional has a mullet and a mustache. He says, "Hell yeah!" Doesn't shock, doesn't shock me. And don't get me wrong, I would love to be experimental with my facial hair. Make no mistake, but also, I should. You know how like it used to be. Well, I I don't know when the last time I shaved was. It's been like at least seven or eight years I can, since I've done it. But when I, I used to shave the exact date that the last time I shaved. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you, well, on this exact date, did you do this? Did you end up shaving into various forms of facial hair just to see what you'd look like? In, yeah, just in every case. Guy does. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Hand up. Exactly. Who hasn't yep. done the handlebar mustache? I got yelled at so bad. I was about to go to school <laughs> with fucking Fu Manchu and my wife would not leave the house until I shaved it. I can tell you as far as mustaches go, mine needs a trim real bad. I'm sitting here, my mustache is tickling my bottom lip right now. Unless I start eating the beard. I have have no upper lip, if you can see it in the video. That's just bottom lip. No, No, I I get it. I have to maintain an immaculately close beard for a couple different reasons. One, my beard hair is just not, it's it's kind of like eh, everywhere. It, It kind of just goes off wherever the fuck it wants to it doesn't grow in a nice thick full you know any sort of pattern it just goes off into weird directions and i don't like it the reason i don't trim my mustache is i have um what i have self-diagnosed as situational epilepsy um and when i go to trim my mustache i'll sit there with my like my trimmer and then just my arm twitches and then i just have a random ass line straight to uh-huh. skin through my mustache so i don't trim it no, that's that's also fair. The the other thing here is, uh, you know, down here in the state of Florida, as much as I love the sunshine, I don't necessarily love the humidity that is down here. If you have too much facial hair, you will sweat and you will have a bad time. Uh, it's last one thing summer, to come down here for a visit. Last mm-hmm. summer in Savannah, I had hair down to the bottom of my shoulder blades and a beard out to here. It was. I remember you at the Florida game that you guys went uh, that you went to last year. Kind of similar. You still yeah. had a, a pretty long mane. Yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't have handled this summer with that same hair. Just being honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. This summer, this summer was brutal. So I work uh, in, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, I work in air conditioning. That's a rather popular business down here in the state of Florida. But because I work in air conditioning, I actually work without air conditioning all the time because I'm yeah. constantly in places that don't have it. And that's why I'm there. So I'm constantly sweating and just like begging to get back to the car uh, so that I can crank up the AC and waste my company's gas. That's really what it feels like I'm doing for a solid 15 minutes just to cool down. As someone who also drives a company vehicle, I can confirm. Yeah, 
it's just not great out there uh, sometimes when it's 98 degrees and you know 87 percent humidity it is not not pleasant not pleasant especially when you have to wear at least jeans if not khakis you know the wearing pants in florida is is a tough being a field guy being a field guy i have um fun fact if anybody else that listens to this is a is a field guy um columbia swim trunks have belts they have that's true they do they do so all summer i have a few pair of columbia swim trunks and i do laundry twice a week but especially because i work in a water-based business and they dry quick and they have extra pockets throw a belt on my columbia swim trunks and i wear swim trunks like seven days a week in the summer so this is why i'm obsessed with buying uh certain brands and types of products um I have my own podcast uh, about traveling to Disney World, and I, I'm sure you'll let me plug that here in just a Absolutely. so I won't. I, hey, I'm I've liked and subscribed. I appreciate that because I think, I've been yelling so at people. Not only so. have I also subscribed, but before I went to to Disney for the first time in 20 years, a few months back, I listened. Oh, did you? Did. So you got some good advice. I take it. Yes. Also, oh, yeah. our friends that live in Orlando have season passes and go all the time. So they, so they know, know exactly my plight. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> they know yes. my plight. Uh, so one of the things down here in particular, because of the heat and the humidity, man, I won't buy Florida gear unless it's like the authentic Nike coaches yes. uh, gear or, or the players gear. Hell, I'm willing to buy it off a player on eBay if that's what it takes to get the dry fit and shit, because that's the only way you can survive down here. Same. You end up wearing those 100% cotton t-shirts, fuck that shit. I, nope. I have no desire to wear any of that. Under Armour, that brand alone has saved me, uh, as far as I'm concerned, from so much gold bond. That I, I mean, the amount of money that I would spend on gold bond uh, would yeah. be astronomical, if not for Under Armour. So, Monkey butt powder have, is also a solid investment. Is it? I've not tried it. I'm terrified. So it's, good. Be, it's good, but then so pro tip. Um, there's a there's like a deodorant stick thing called Body Glide. Ah, I've seen this. I have. I've, I've not tried it. it. I've used it. Is so, it for your taint? Um, it's for everywhere that your skin yeah. rubs together when oh, you're right. sweating and moving. So yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Bro, I would coat the inside of my legs before we would go on ruck marches when I was still in the military. I did, nice. we did 12 miles in three and a half hours with rucksacks on. Did not chafe a single time. Wow. No okay. free ads, but thick kings listen out and go to body glide. Hey, okay, we need there. to get fucking on top of that, like ASAP. Damn. That's that's very impressive, uh, be, especially because there's no chance in hell that I could ever march uh, a mile in three and a half hours uh, at this point uh, and well, at this state I, of my bodily function. So I, that's that's an amazing day, achievement. Back in the day, I was I was a bad motherfucker, and then <laughs> and then drinking and uh, multiple injuries set in, and now I am. Yeah, that'll drinking. do it. Yeah, eh, I'm not here to judge. Uh, but yeah, there's there's just something about these Under Armour shirts and th- those kinds of dry fit in particular. I want Columbia. You brought them up. The, those PFG uh, long yep. sleeve shirts, man. I've got like twelve of those things. I don't even fish. 
guys. I, like, they're just the, they're just fucking comfortable. They are. They are. And it's like you're wearing sunblock, so like that's a good pro tip out there for dealing with the sun. Wear some mm-hmm. of those Columbia sh- shirts. I'm telling you, they'll, they'll they'll take care of some shit. All right. I think we I, were supposed to make a pick or something. I don't. I was about to say I don't really remember <laughs> where we're at, but we're gonna do um, we're gonna do some game picks real quick, and we don't have very many this week because, like we said, the slate's kind of shit. Fair. Um. So we've got Oregon, and you just have to do straight up picks. But we got Oregon six and a half point favorites at Utah over under forty eight and a half. You know what? I'm actually going to take Utah on the points. Ooh, okay. A uh, couple reasons. One, uh, doesn't matter that Bo Nix has been around since Stetson Bennett uh, has also been around uh, playing quarterback. But uh, to be honest with you, Oregon has not been overly impressive, even in the games that they they you know purportedly played well in i didn't think that they were all that impressive against uh colorado to be honest with you and then the game texas tech for that matter but that's another thing and they went out and lost uh the last time they they were out there yes it's to washington and michael penis jr or whatever his name is but um (laughs) hey the nothing had washington at number one for a week tied with georgia for that matter but hey if you want to get in on the poll it's not uh, I'll, I'll throw I'll throw some picks in there every now and then. But yeah, I, I look, I got to be honest with you. Utah is a tougher place to play than people will give it credit for, and it's certainly at a higher elevation than than anything that Oregon has had to deal with. And that is a thing that that you have yeah. to actually watch out for. It is going to slow down that attack to a degree. Not saying that it's going to overwhelm them or, or anything like that. Utah's a solid program, guys. They yeah. they've absolutely earned their their place. Uh, out there in the Pac-12, and I genuinely think that they they can actually put up a damn good fight against the the Ducks. I can see Utah pulling off an upset here. They're going to dominate the Big 12 for that matter as soon as they move there next year too. Yeah, that's Especially for sure. They can Texas actually play some defense. Oklahoma out of the yep. race. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm interested so, to see how that trip to UCF goes, but you know. <laughs> yeah, right. It, I think it would be just as interesting to see UCF go to Utah. That's what from, happened with Florida, to be honest. Right, it's like going, going from fucking... To 5,000. Yeah. Look, when they came into the swamp, they had no idea what the hell they were in for. No. Those guys were on the sidelines puking left and right uh, because of all... Oh. Yeah, because just the heat and the humidity. Uh, yeah. like, they, they, that's something it's that a different even during the Florida-Utah game this year we talked to you about on that live stream. Yeah. You can prepare for a lot of things... Two things you can't really prepare for, no matter how good your facility is: humidity mm-hmm. and elevation. Yep, very true. Very, very true. So, and there is the difference between Florida and Utah, if there ever was one, besides you know, <laughs> Mormons and strip clubs and meth and whatever. You know, it's fine. Um, bath salts. I, I can go on. But there couldn't, yeah, there couldn't be any more like diametrically like opposed like states or like different states or inverse states than Utah and Florida. Yeah, so it's a very weird situation. How the yeah. hell we ended up playing them, I have no idea. But it, no, it's the Urban Meyer Bowl, right? Correct. Yeah, sure, we'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of see uh, Oregon maybe, maybe struggling uh, with Utah this week. Next game, Tennessee three and a half point favorites going to Lexington, playing Kentucky over under fifty one and a half. Kentucky's tougher than they uh, they get credit for, you guys. They genuinely are. 
if you can run the ball or if they can run the ball, they are fucking dominant. And I saw it. I saw it against my own team. I honestly losing a game against Alabama will sometimes affect people to the point where they lose twice. And I kind of see that happening with Josh Heupel and in Tennessee. Tennessee is absolutely more talented than Kentucky. There's no doubt about it in my mind, but it's it's a really different environment when you go up to Lexington to play. I'm going with the uh, with Kentucky on this one. I will say there used to be like a stat like when uh when teams would play Alabama that I mean I know it wasn't like in the other uh, the, the uh, opposing team's favor. Yeah, yeah, but like it was like whoever like you would you would damn well be sure like after you played Alabama you more than likely lose that game the following week. And part of it's because they just beat you so bad physically or yeah. they just wore you out so bad physically that you just didn't have a chance to really recharge in time for, for another week uh, mm-hmm. after that. It's different if they had a bye week after that. I think then then everybody was pretty much fine. But, I mean, the ankle sprains hurt a lot worse when you're playing a team like that. You know, yeah. they, they just do. Yeah, they keep you out for a little bit longer. Speaking of, I'm on a serious note here with Brock Bowers. He had the tightrope surgery, yep. right? So he had the same surgery as Tua Tungo Vailoa yes. back in the day. Why was Tua able to play, but Brock is going to so be out? Tua had the surgery after the SEC championship game and came back three weeks later in the playoffs. Well, that was before that, wasn't it? I, yeah, I thought he was before that as well. Mm, I have to. I thought it was during an Alabama. I thought it was during an Alabama bye week, and he came back to play LSU after the bye. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought that's what it was. I would have to look. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I will say Brock had the surgery on like Monday or Tuesday of last week, and he's already out of crutches, working towards coming back. So it's like a four to six week like recovery, right? It's like he he may be back for like Ole Miss humans, but we've come to the conclusion that Brock Bowers is not one of us. Um, (laughs) So he's playing Saturday, is what you're saying. I wouldn't go that breaking news. I you know I don't I don't know if Georgia has invested in back to tanks, um, (laughs) but. The amount that they spend on fucking recruiting and, and just like just the football program in general. Maybe. It wouldn't shock me if they found uh, back to tank from a galaxy uh, far, far away in a yep. long, long time. Ago, I'm so, so glad you got that reference. Oh yeah, I'm absolutely. So <laughs> Look, you know, it's my dream to be on a Georgia podcast talking shit about Georgia and talking pro Florida. That's one of my dreams. The other one is to be on a Star Trek podcast where I can really nerd the fuck out on some live long and prosper. I have so... watched every single episode and movie Ooh. of Star Trek to the point where I tallied it up. An entire month of my life, with no sleep, mind you, has been dedicated more than once to watching the entire Star Trek library. So, oh, yeah, let's go. back to Tank, I was referring to Star Wars. Of course you were, because but... I've seen The Mandalorian. Uh, <laughs> but... And you know what? Here's my Instead of flicking you off, I'm going to give you the, the live long and prosper sign on that. Star Trek is way better than Star Wars. I, I've never been able to get into Star Trek, but so our hey, Patrick Stewart though that live in Orlando told us about the Libby app, where if you have a library card, you can listen to audiobooks for free instead of paying Audible $25 a month for one book. Okay. Um, and all the books that I want to listen to are currently on very long holds. And as someone who drives a ridiculous amount for work, totally I have understand. listened to three Star Wars novels in the past two weeks. 
caught me up on some Tom Clancy going that route. I understand exactly where you're coming I, from. You know, there's a book series that I've been following for the last 12 years that our local library does not have the audiobook of the latest one. So I am just biding my time until I get to that one. This is a Star Wars no, uh, no, no, audiobook. No. Oh, okay. It's, okay. I, you know, I free ad on this one. Brad Taylor, former Special Forces officer, writes phenomenal books. And he's got like 19 out so far. So okay. If you want to listen to a military book, it starts with One Rough Man, phenomenal series, free ad, free ad. I would love to actually, I don't even care if it's about football, I'd love to get him on the show one day. See, I was I'm really angling to, to give Georgia libraries a, a little bit of shit for not, uh, you know, introducing science fiction into their their uh, catalog. I, I kind of see Georgia libraries about peanut farming and, well, that's... About they're it. not I, as good as they could be, but they're not as bad as some. That's, that's true. That's true. Because like, I I'm, like I'm currently apparently there is a prologue novel that's like thirty chapters to Rogue One, the Star Wars movie, which and... was entirely unnecessary as a movie. It was the best of these Disney Star Wars movies. Okay, but it filled a plot hole that I didn't even realize was there. Okay, to be fair. If you go on Libby and listen to the book Catalyst, that movie makes ten times the amount of sense it does when you just watch the movie. See, this is the problem with the with the recent Star Wars shit. I tried to watch the uh, Ahsoka series. Apparently, I had to watch seventeen cartoon seasons uh, of some shit nine. before I could even. I'm sorry, nine. My bad. I had to uh, I had to watch almost a decade's worth of cartoons. To have any sort of nerd boner for any of the characters that were showing so the up problem is in this Ahsoka series. Because people yes. my age, it was coming on week after week. And I was able to watch Ahsoka without needing to watch the Clone Wars again. Yeah, but I, I was able to watch the like prequels. I was able to watch the prequels and be very disappointed in the quality of filmmaking that George Lucas was putting out, not realizing that there was any sort of TV show. By the time that that uh, Clone Wars and Rebels came out, I was well on my way to not giving a fuck about Star Wars uh, ever again. Plus, then Disney bought them, and I'm, I, as much as I love Disney, that's kind of when it went really downhill. Correct. Man, oh, God, the, the remake of Force Awakens was bad. The last movie, I swear to God, I just started laughing in the middle of it. Not anything funny. It was just that bad. It was you know, just well, that bad. The ships say, couldn't go up. That was a plot point. <laughs> yes. Um, I will say that I watched one of the um, sequels in Denver while I was there for work. Fucking blazed out of my mind. <laughs> I. It's a little it was, different? It was great. It was great. I, I'm trying to pick up my medical card here in the next couple of weeks, so perhaps I'll give it another uh, go around here uh, when I, I, I do, will. But... I will send you a message off air about something to be cautious about if you care. We'll talk when it when we'll it comes talk. to medical cards. But um, last game we need you to pick: Georgia, <laughs> fourteen and a half point favorites <laughs> in Jacksonville, playing Florida over under forty seven. All right, I'm taking the under on points. Uh, and I am absolutely taking Florida and the points. I'm not calling Florida to win. 
I would love for them to win. And I see a couple of lanes where they could win. I genuinely do. Uh, and it involves with Georgia coming out slow and sluggish. And Georgia's prone to do that. So there's, there is an opportunity there for Florida to take advantage of it. What Florida has to do is play the perfect game. They have to throw the ball downfield like they did against South Carolina. And they have to run the ball like they did against Tennessee. They can do that and pitch a pretty okay game on, on defense. I actually think that we can uh, maybe pull off an upset. Don't think that all three things can really happen all at once. So I think Florida plays it a hell of a lot closer than, than Vegas does. I'm going to go ahead and say this game ends up being 24-21. Ooh. Okay. I, you know, that's that's not at all that far off of what I was actually thinking for this one. Um, like, I want to scare the shit out of UGA. Well, Hold on, I'm, I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna mute real quick because there was a real loud bang. Um, Go ahead. But I I'll be back. All right. Y'all can keep going. Yes, live streamers. <laughs> You're gonna enjoy <laughs> this one. We'll we'll see what happens when John investigates a loud bang. Hey. Again, it is it is Savannah. Okay. You never fucking know. knows. That's the one thing that I will say about living down here in Orlando. There's not much of that going on. And the parts that where that would occur, not close to. I heard a loud bang. Mm -hmm. So it's fewer and further between uh, down here. Okay. We uh, so like prior to us like living in in like the Atlanta area, we had talked about living in a in Winter Park, and that was one of like the goals. And my honest, quite honestly, my wife is still trying to live uh, down there, but worried about. You know, retirement and stuff like that with uh like the teacher pension here in the uh in the state so no i don't blame you for that because i had to experience that transitioning from uh georgia to florida myself with my mm-hmm. wife and her her stuff now the time served doesn't translate but the 401k does so you're going to be okay, okay uh mm-hmm. at, at that point but having said that orlando's an expensive town and it's getting more and more yeah. expensive and the, the part of the reason is it's my fault. I'll go ahead and say it. My company does a lot of uh, these, you know, kind of ritzy ass homes uh, the, that are out there. Mm-hmm. There's a neighborhood uh, at Disney World, as a matter of fact, it's called Golden Golden Oak. The cheapest house on the market there is nine million dollars. Lee, okay, okay. So that's that's the the area that I'm intending ten, to operate in from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. That has driven up the cost of every shitty uh, you know rebar and cinder block house up to uh, the realm of five hundred thousand dollars if you want to live in a safe oh, lord you know, i mean it's it, at this point it's it's kind of the same in in, uh, in our area too which is part of believe like the place that we uh we rented when we first moved here like fucking 10 years ago it was like two hundred thousand now it's like three quarters of a million it's, yeah. it's insane for us, yeah. for us it happened in five years yeah. i was even. about to say like when we bought our house, it was expensive. We could sell our house probably for twice they... or three times as much. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for, like that. There are houses in our neighborhood that have not been updated since before I was born, and still that are sell. going that are yeah. going for six hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars. Jeez. Like some of these houses what? have carpet in the bathrooms. Hell yeah. No. I was kind of comfy on the feet. It I, is. I, I thought the same thing. 
Don't get me wrong. I care much more about how my feet feel than resale value, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you got to go with the laminate, but anyway, so yeah, yeah. there's, there's my pick guys, 20, uh, 24, 21 UGA. Unfortunately for me, um, you know, I, I wish uh, that that's not the case. I, I'm going to be rooting my uh, enlarged heart out uh, for the Gators on Saturday, but you know, I don't think that my cheering will be enough. You know, I, I do wish that I could be there this weekend, but we do have friends quite literally flying in from New York to uh, to be here this weekend with us, and we are watching their daughter on Saturday. But within the next two years, I will come back to the game in Jacksonville. Well, it's not going to be there in two years, though, is it? That's, that's, so I don't know. Okay. Can okay. we get into this on this show? But, yeah, they, they have not said anything yet. Yeah. Do you guys confirmed. want the home and home? Do you guys want the home and home? I do. So, actually. so, uh, so like for, for me, selfishly, okay, because I like we talked about, we both live in Savannah. It's only two hours away for me instead of four hours in like you know the fucking backwoods of fucking Georgia, going back but from Savannah. To selfishly, Athens. for me as a season ticket holder, I would prefer a home and home. That's fair. So I have two a uh, two hour drive up I seventy five in the Turnpike. It's not a terrible drive. I mean, it's a terrible drive, but it's not the well, that's you know, it's not it's the backwards. in the Orlando area is why it's a terrible drive. Right, because of all the yeah. you know tourists, as I call them. Well, um, not only that, but the roads around Orlando are almost as bad as the roads in South Carolina. Almost, not quite, but almost. Yeah, there's some spots that it's improving. I'll just say that. Okay. You know, Turnpike is constantly under construction, though, so. Uh, yeah. That's because everybody keeps driving down there and fucking up the road that they just built. So, you know, who, who would have thought, right? Um, mm-hmm. I honestly w- would like the novelty of it once, and that's it. Yeah. Like, I think once every 30-something years, that's fine. So that, That's fine to do a home and home. But I, I want it in Jackson. So yeah. we talked to Candler. I don't know if it was – I don't know. Candler's been on the show like four or five times at this point. I don't remember which time it was. But he said if you worked it out like year to year wise, it would have to be neutral, home away, neutral, home away, neutral for it to line up to where each team has the same amount of home games. Um, But I'm not against that split. One, selfishly on multiple years, as far as that goes, I have season tickets. Jacksonville's two hours away. Gainesville's four hours away. And I know that if I went to the game in Gainesville, you would protect me until I got to my seats. That's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I would. Uh, there's not many Florida fans that, that would fuck with me. Uh, on there, Really, there's nobody that's going to fuck with, uh, with somebody who's 6'5". And I will say, last year when we went to that South Carolina game, everybody was super friendly. You know, yeah. everybody was super friendly and then right after the fourth quarter started, it was a blowout. We already seen the Tom Petty thing. And we were like, hey, Georgia game starts in 30, 45 minutes. Let's go. And then people started throwing shit and chirping at us as we were leaving the stadium, which means they have no balls to do it while we're sitting there. Sure. Um, but up until the point where we got up to leave, they were great. super friendly. Yeah, I'm sure that that's the case. Um, look, I gotta be honest with you. I don't, I don't know what happens sometimes in the upper deck cause I'm down in the, you know, the 
the oh, lower we uh, had free decks tickets. We were literally with our backs against the wall in the in the very top row. Yeah, I'm 13 rows back of the end zone, so I, I'm in a little bit of a different situation. Uh, the only thing that I have to contend with is a beach ball, uh, and that, that's the only thing that's getting tossed around in that part of the stadium. Thank God. Because uh, yeah, if you guys start raining down beer cans, I'm I'm gonna die. I'm gonna I'm not gonna make it. Um, <laughs> so, I like I said, I love the novelty of it. I've, I've actually gone back and watched on YouTube there uh, the 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 one time that Georgia was in the swamp. It was a night game. Like I said, Mike Bobo was starting it, uh, and obviously for my purposes, it ended up great because uh, Florida uh, kicked their ass. Um, that was the same thing happened. Years of Florida, which are... yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, but but um, the the novelty of it was certainly interesting to to watch. Um, but man, there's so few neutral site games that mean anything. I think I, there's really only two, and that's the the cocktail party and the Red River rivalry. Those are yeah. the only uh, and and you know what and Army Navy. But outside yeah. of those those three. Um, there, there's really none of the, like, I know they're trying with this Texas A&M and Arkansas thing. I don't think that's ever going to catch on. Uh, I think they're going to go back to be, actually being at home at home pretty soon. I think when we talked to, uh, what, uh, our A&M guy, Robert Barron's. Yeah. He had talked about that. I think only being a thing for another what year or two, I think yeah, the, contra- the contract, I think runs out in 2026 at the yeah. latest. I think it mm-hmm. is when it runs out. I can see why Arkansas wants to play in Jerry World since Jerry uh, is an alum uh, mm-hmm. of Arkansas. And I, I can understand why Texas A&M would want to play uh, in the biggest stadium in the state of Texas. So just from those two perspectives, I guess that lines up. But, man, it's not a big game. And, no, and no. Texas A&M has dominated that for the most part. I think Arkansas pulled one out uh, a couple Sadly, of years ago. but We, we um, love Sam Pittman, but yes. it's been rough. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's another one of these long line of Georgia coaches that uh, wants to run the ball three yards in a cloud of dust all the time. So, you know, I, whatever. Three yards in a cloud of dust is one back-to-back title, so. You also had, like, you know, somebody who should have been a doctor starting for you at quarterback, but he didn't even graduate college, so there's that. Hey, eligibility uh, you know. is eligibility. <laughs> yeah, COVID be damned. And, and let's be honest, if you guys had a quarterback Stetson Bennett's caliber that could have come back for this season with Ricky Pearsall, Trevor Etienne, Mont- Montrell Johnson, you would have taken him. So here's the thing, though, okay? In that position, I understand exactly what you're talking about, but I think I had that kind of a couple of years ago in Kyle Trask because Kyle Trask could have come back after the 2020 season, and he was a Heisman candidate in 2020 or a Heisman finalist in 2020. It's not like he was a, a, a terrible quarterback, and man, if he had stayed, I know if he If he had stayed and they wouldn't have had a Todd Grantham defense. Also, I know... that's the only reason that they didn't make the playoff that year. I, I also know that for Florida to be successful and for the long-term uh, success of the program, you have to, to, to move on. You have to, to move on at the peak... They did with with Kyle Trask. I mean, they absolutely did. Um, and I'm, I honestly think that he probably should be starting in Tampa Bay, given Baker Mayfield and his play. Especially if they last lost week to the Falcons, Falcons this year, that should be automatically losing your starting job. 
Yeah, well, they did. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, Trask will get a shot again. But anyway, you know, we had that uh, already. And I was happy for him that he moved on to to greener pastures, uh, honestly, because he was making millions of dollars for, for one thing. But also, you do have to you have to promise those young kids that you're going to get to play and you can't just go, well, let's hand the keys back over to the seventh year guy at some point. I don't understand why Carson Beck is still there. Titles for the first time in college football playoff history. I still don't, I still don't understand why Carson Beck is, is at UGA if he was that great. Cause if I, he was not no. that great, I think he, he transfers. Cause I think Justin Fields did this when, that, when so, he came so in. Don't get me wrong. So, I was making that exact same argument in the spring. I was, you. I mean, you can ask Mike and anybody that regularly listens to the show, I was 100% on Brock Vandegrift. I thought he was a taller, mm. stronger, faster, bigger arm, Stetson Bennett. And then the spring game happened, and Carson Beck did what he did in the spring game. I know it's a spring game. Don't get me wrong. Right. But he did what he did in the spring game against number one offense. That, ha- that has been a top 10 offense for the past four years or a top 10 defense for the past four years. Sure. And sure. I was like, all right, I'm on the Carson Beck train. That mm-hmm. also turned over all of those stars from the, that defensive squad in those two, in those yeah, last two years in particular that, into the NFL that, draft. At, we said that in 2020 and 2021 and twenty. Yeah. And then they lost even more talent after 2022. So, you know, they, I... yes, it's, there, yes, were, there were eight reloading off the defense in 2021 and only six off the defense in 2022. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I, I mean, we're, I, if we're talking numbers here, I got some numbers to back it up, but I understand what you're saying. And I was on the same page a few months ago, but when we're talking about what they've done, whether it's a spring game or a real game, Carson Vec has performed better. Okay, sure. I also am. I'm just. I'm not there yet. No, with it. But this is also maybe better is great. I'm saying better is better than the other options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that this is one of those Stetson Bennett versus what's his name? What was the guy that was supposed Daniels? to be? Yeah. Yeah. I think this this is one of those situations where maybe he's the more steady hand, but I don't think he's got the higher ceiling than right. than Vandergrift. <laughs> And I, I don't know, but, but this gets into you know how how it's recruited and everything like this is why I hate recruiting. Oh, I hate recruiting. Okay, um, so but anyway. we're we're running on like an hour and forty five minutes, Shit. and we still got a ca- couple <laughs> games to talk about. So <laughs> okay, yes, let's do it quickly. Lightning round. I, I was about to say, plug what you got to plug, and then we're gonna we're gonna do our calling the dogs and talk about some couple other games. Guys, if you like Disney World. And but find some things to be a little bit weird about it, and you like to joke about it with friends. But outside of that, you'll never say that to anybody. Or if you really fucking hate Disney World and just want to hear me bash on it a little bit, check out the Cynics on Disney podcast. It's released every single Monday, uh, where me and my wife we are trying to actively review everything, everything that you can possibly do at Disney World, where whether it's staying at a resort, eating at a restaurant, going on uh, rides, whatever the, the case may be. We try to review it, and we catch you up on the Disney World news as well. We also do that with a little bit of a biting tongue, because quite frankly, you know what? I love Disney World. I absolutely do. Also, there's some weird shit there. There just really is. And you know what? It's okay to make fun of some, some of that stuff. Honestly, I don't understand why people don't make fun of it more. I think people are a little bit too sensitive about some of that stuff these days. 
that's how I show affection, as a matter of fact, guys. That's why I'm willing to come on here and make that kind of a joke uh, about our defensive tackle being fat, just fat, not fast. So, you know, that's that's my showing of affection. It's the way that I treat uh, Disney World. And uh, like I said, please check us out. Subscribe, rate, and review. All right. One question about Disney, and I need okay. it to be a quick response. Done. The Avatar ride in Animal Kingdom, like the, the wings of whatever... One, one out of ten. What do you give it? Okay, so this is a difficult rating for me. Uh, I can't fit my fat ass on that ride, so I can't accurately portray it from my perspective. Now, having said that, everybody that has ridden it will give it at least a seven and a half, if not higher. So wow. you, you my can't go wrong. rating is probably eight, eight and a half. Right. So it's it's accurate. I, I, that doesn't mean that there's not problems. Like I said, you know what? It's again, it's the current year. I think that they should have some body inclusive, uh, you know, Fair. ride vehicles. Just saying mm-hmm. for for us uh, heftier Americans uh, hey, that are out there. Hey, and good God, Bobby, there's a lot of them. Bobby, give yourself credit. You are a thick king. I am, and I've also lost a good bit of weight. So there, there is yeah. that. But. I still can't fit my fat ass on that attraction, so we're we're waiting for the day the, uh, to review that one until I can. Okay, I, we only went Animal Kingdom when I went a few months ago, and that was by far my favorite ride. If you can get someone with hey. with my mentality to ignore the rest of the world and focus on the ride for a minute, that's a fucking win. So Animal Kingdom ha- does have like a Harambe like just signs and shit. So there's that. Yeah, that yes. makes me laugh every time. Thanks yes. for for that, Mike. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, you know, and and I went with a guy that just got his PhD in herpetology, um, which, for if you don't know someone in that field, it is the study of I amphibians. Don't. Okay, um, so I thought it was the study of um, Valtrex, but that's no, 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 no. He he is our resident frog doctor. Shout out, Matt. Um, yeah, Matt. Shout out Matt. He got his doctorate in in frogs. Um, actually, they just bought a house outside of Orlando. So once again, shout out Matt and Rachel. Um, mm. But they're the ones that took us to Disney that day. It was the day after he got his PhD. It's pretty huge accomplishment there uh, to yeah. to do that and to want to go to Animal Kingdom. Particularly in the summertime, it is a fucking. Oh, it's always yes. ten degrees yes. hotter in Animal Kingdom than it ever is anywhere else in the state of Florida. Yes. I, I swear by that. Uh, Once so, again, you know, cut off yeah. Wrangler t-shirt and <laughs> short ass shorts. That's how I lived my life, April to October. Like I, I look, I got I got some thigh tattoos that you shouldn't see most of the year. <laughs> But when it's when it is hot, you're gonna see my thigh tattoos. It just is what it is. Like I, I if, just, you... if I cared what I looked like, I would do something different. But one, I'm oh. married. Two, I just don't care. And those are my right. two reasons. Actually, you know what? This brings up one of the best pieces of advice I can give to any Disney World traveler. Um, don't give a fuck about what you look like. Be comfortable. Don't dress for for success. Dress for comfort. Like if that means yoga pants, you go ahead and wear that, babe. If that means, uh, well, you know, some shitty gym shorts that you've been wearing since high school because they still have your high school football number on it, so be it. Go right ahead. 
That's what. Uh, that's what you're you need for company. You're not meeting your wife at Disney World or husband. Fuck no, you're not. Unless no. you're already married. Correct. Yeah. Be comfortable because it's gonna be hot. It's gonna be miserable, except for the thirty minutes a day you're on the ride. Absolute. It, Absolute. Disney World is one of those things where it's a, like the trip is a roller coaster where the highest of highs outweigh the lowest of lows. So you say you had a good time. This is very mm-hmm. true. But for if you broke it broke it up by minute by minute, you're having a shitty time more minutes than you're having a good time. Mm, yes, absolutely. I would 100% concur. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I am the way that I am about Disney World is because I've stood in those lines and had, you know, someone who's, you know, wears shit like you uh, and decides <laughs> to, you know, not put on deodorant at the same time. And oh, the, well, I've got that. the, yeah, it's the sweat of a thousand burning suns, man. It's just like, oh, God, the BO situation you know in the we're, summer. We're talking about going back to Disney next year. I will call you. And, uh, Please do, and I can assure you I will be taking you out to dinner. Uh, and at, not at one of these schleppy quick service places either. We'll, we'll go somewhere nice. <laughs> okay. We're we're actually going uh, Thanksgiving week. I'm um, taking all the kids down there and everything. We're going, uh, I think we're going to Epcot and uh, Magic Kingdom. So, I mean, that's usually the go-to for both of us. But that fucking, the Guardians of the Galaxy ride we went to last year. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah. It's I haven't amazing. I haven't spent a lot of, I mean, okay, so... I haven't watched. I uh, uh, haven't spent a ton of time watching the movies themselves, but the, I fucking appreciate that ride more than the anybody would know. Guardians of the Galaxy movie is the Christmas movie, and I will die on that hill. Okay, I see see where you're going with this because boy did I laugh at Kevin Bacon. Boy did I laugh at Kevin. Bacon. Hey, so oh, wow. the whole Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, we did we did a whole every SEC program as an MCU movie. Like oh, what'd segment. you choose, Florida? Uh, just out of curiosity, what was Florida? I I gotta go back, but I would have uh, gone with Ant Man. I would have. Um, that may have been what it was. I, it's I underrated. Will go back and look. Um, that original Ant Man, I'm telling you, it's it's great. But um, anyway, yes, continue. So that was actually thirty-one episodes ago. Ironically. Oh, there oh. we go. Let me pull it up here. I'm I'm looking for it. Um. I said Florida is the original Iron Man because Florida is the team that started SEC dominance in the relative modern era with Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer. Yeah, that's fair. And then uh, they get killed off in a blaze of glory. I gave praise to Florida. I I appreciate that. I genuinely do. I know that was one of the toughest things that you've ever had to do on a microphone. You know, we are a Georgia show but I sure. do my damn sure best to be as objective as possible. And, and I have since I'm not a host, Georgia I can be times this season than we have done in our history. As I'm just a guest and I'm kind of brought on here for jazz hands and being kind of an asshole. Um, you know, I don't have to be objective in any way, shape or form. So I appreciate that about you. I, I genuinely do. Um, but also I can't be that way. I really can't. So for the record, Georgia was a Avengers end game. They okay. were because because it took for, forever to get to the end. War, Alabama was Infinity War where they won and it seemed like everything was lost. And then a few years later, Georgia came in. Uh, ah, you uh, see, you see, you see, you see. Uh, I see. Um, 
So, you know, if you're listening to this episode and didn't listen to that one and care about Marvel, go back and listen to episode 63. Um, but we are damn near at two hours now, and and, uh, and we really need to get moving. So thank you, Bobby, for coming on and talking to us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks again uh, for having me this year, guys. I appreciate it. Anytime that uh, that you need somebody to talk Florida football for you, I'm always in there. Sure. Absolutely. Hopefully, I'll see you down in Jacksonville um, in a couple of days. Hopefully. Sounds great. Fingers crossed. Uh, send me a text. We'll, we'll meet up. I promise you. Oh, for sure. All right, man. You guys have a great night. You see too. You. Appreciate it, man. All right, we want to thank Bobby for coming on once again and talking to us. We know it's a long episode, so we're going to try and get through these next few things real quick. We're going to play Calling the Dogs right now. Um, thank you again for calling in and talking to us. If you want to call in, the number is 678-465-8020, and we're going to go ahead and get to that. All right, y'all, big week this week. Big week, it is time for our Georgia Bulldogs, who have just come off playing against the toughest opponent we have played all season. Bye. Versus C, Florida Methods, coached by Sunbelt Bailey. That was really hard, really hard to take this game seriously because listen up to these straight-up sacks. Against the one decent running back they have played against all season, and, yeah, I'm looking at you, Tennessee. I said this was the one decent running back they played against all season. They gave up a whopping 280 yards on the ground. Now, I'm not sure Georgia has given up 280 yards to a quarterback this season through the air. But that is what Florida allowed Ray Davis to do just north to south on the ground. Now, that's going to be a problem for them. Because last time I looked, Georgia has some pretty good running backs. And Georgia is getting a couple of them back healthier than ever. And Georgia's offensive line is getting healthier than ever. So, normally you got a 50% chance of winning any given football game. But you take all those factors into consideration, and you jump that up to Georgia having a 90% chance. Now you add in people like Carson Beck and the fact that Florida's quarterback is Graham Mertz, who people are hyping up right now because he had a decent game against South Carolina, who I'm pretty sure isn't even going to be bowl eligible this year. So you put all of that together, and it turns out we got a 137% chance of winning this game. That's some Snyder math for you right there. And the numbers don't lie, and they smell disaster for y'all in Jacksonville. So y'all better call up Connor Stallions over in Michigan, because that's about the only chance y'all got of winning this game. Oh, if you're watching the YouTube video and saw me making funny faces, I just had 112-proof whiskey go down the wrong pipe. And I'm still, I'm still struggling to breathe. That was, that was, that was fucking rough. And I know I have dropped F-bombs more times than we're supposed to in this episode. But, um, like, I'm still tearing up from literally breathing 112-proof whiskey for that one. So, uh, you'll have to excuse me. But, 
Thank you, Caleb, for calling in and talking to us again. Once again, that number is 678-465-8020. If you want to be on the Calling the Dog segment, I don't care if all you say is go dogs. I don't care if all you say is screw Florida. I, I don't. We'll put you on the show because we want to have more interaction here. So please call us at 678-465-8020. Get into the Calling the Dog segment. So for our picks, I as far as this game goes, you know, I don't I don't want to officially pick the under because I think after a bye week, Georgia has the very good possibility of coming out like they did against Kentucky. I think they have a very good possibility about blowing this game out. But I think if you take the consensus of the season, this is much more 27-20 kind of game than it is a, you know, even a, let's say, 35-17 kind of game. So I I do think Florida probably covers it. And, I you know, in all reality, I think if you take week by week into consideration, I think the under probably hits. But... My official pick is Georgia with or Florida covering the 14 and a half. And I hate to say that out loud. You're muted if you're talking. Damn it. I thought I would get through it. Anyway. Um so So a few weeks ago when we uh we were talking about the uh, Kentucky game, I was kind of the same way. I was feeling I was feeling like, oh, it's going to be closer and all that. And I went, been, I went against uh, conventional, like, thinking with it about how what, what we saw, saw so far. And I went with what I want to see, not what I, you know, what my what my brain told me. I went with, with uh, what my heart would tell me. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go Georgia to cover that 14 and a half. So I don't know about the over-under so much. But you know, I mean, everything that everything you know, everything like uh, conventional wisdom would tell you. Okay, Brock not being there, coming off a of bye week, so maybe being a little bit rusty in the first half and all that tells you to not go with the Georgia fourteen and a half point favorites. But again, I'm gonna go with it because it's against what I what my brain thinks. Go with the heart, fourteen and a half point favorite. Let's go. I I hope you're right. Like, I truly hope I'm wrong. I just... My head refuses to believe it. Um, yeah. Moving on to Oregon. Six and a half point favorites at Utah. Over under 48 and a half. This is the college game day game of the week. Currently fighting for second in the Pac-12 um, Oregon has definitely outscored their opponents in the conference. Um, but to make this quick, I, I think Oregon covers a set, six and a half. I mean, this, mm-hmm. spoiler, this is in my best bets. I have no confidence in the Utah offense and all the confidence in the Utah defense. I don't care what they did last week. USC has literally a FCS defense. Give me Utah to cover the six and a half. This is a best bet. I'm not going to say it's the best bet for me, but I'm with you there, Oregon covering the uh, the six and a half. 
them, them playing out in uh, in Utah does make me a little bit nervous, but Eugene's not necessarily at the lowest of elevations. Though. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, it's not radically different. It's not like Florida going to uh, Salt Lake City by any means. It's not that you know going from sea level to you know the fucking Rocky Mountains. So I'm gonna go with Oregon to cover that uh, that six and a half. All right, next game, Tennessee minus three and a half at Kentucky, over under 51 and a half. Somehow Tennessee is still ranked in the AP poll at 21, even though they have two losses on the season, one to an unranked team. Sorry, guys. I am still struggling from uh, inhaling this high-proof whiskey here. Um... The winner of this game is very likely playing for third in the East behind Georgia and Missouri. And I say that just because Missouri's on a fucking tear this year. And I understand we're probably going to have to list this episode as explicit. But damn, Missouri is good. And, you know, I I don't really have much else to say about that because we're going to be talking about them next week. Yeah. Um, So, for this game. I think it being at Kentucky has a lot to do with what I'm talking about here. I'm taking Kentucky. Ooh, okay. I'm taking Kentucky to cover that three and a half. I don't know if they win or not, but I think it, if Tennessee does win, it's a very close game. I understand historically Kentucky or Tennessee has dominated this series, but the offensive line this Kentucky team has and the defense that this Kentucky team has makes me feel a lot better about it compared to the Kentucky team of last year. Not to mm-hmm. mention, Bama ran all over this same exact Tennessee team last week, and Tennessee's coming off of that Bama game. I got Kentucky to cover three and a half. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit there with uh, teams after they play Bama not Bama not playing uh, like super well. And Tennessee's not going to be any different. Granted, again, Alabama's not necessarily the Alabama they've been the last, what, 15 years or so. But I'm also going to go, also going to go with Kentucky there. I think Ray Davis is going to have a have a good day um, at home at Kroger Field. Not a Joe Milton believer. So I'm going to go with Kentucky there. To, again, to cover, not, not necessarily to win by any means, but, again, nobody leaves Kroger Field the same. Nobody does. Everybody comes out with a three-foot receipt and 10 cents off of gas, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing all the time. No. I I mean, that's the biggest reason we still shop at Kroger. Big facts. I'm being honest. On on the island we live on, Publix is cheaper than Kroger on a lot of things. But them gas points damn sure count when you go to Georgia games every other week. Yep. Mm -hmm. You're not wrong. All right, so Texas Tech has a bye this week. They're probably going to not cover versus that bye week. So we're going to go right into uh, Washington. 27-point favorites at Stanford. Um, if I'm going to be honest, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even going to pick the spread on this one. I'm going to go ahead and take the over 59.5. I know you've got it as a best bet. Mm-hmm. But I'm doubling down. Go ahead and put this in my best bets, too, because... Okay. I, at this point, I'm not really sure what Washington is going to do this week versus Stanford. But if there's anything I'm sure about, 
you put an over-under with a first digit of five when it comes yeah. to the Washington game, nine times out of ten, they're hitting it, so that's what I'm taking. Well, and like part of that for me, like going over for that, was that the uh, Colorado and Stanford game a couple weeks ago, the fact that a Stanford receiver almost had 300 fucking yards receiving made me feel way more confident in the over in that. It's like 59 and a half is, I mean, it's a lot in most games, but it's tough. I mean, I think Stanford is definitely capable of it. You know, they can, you know, this is more or less their Super Bowl left uh, or their Super Bowl in the uh, the latter, latter half of the season. But I'm going to go with the uh, over 59 and a half for that as well. You want to go ahead and get into the rest of your best bets? Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll knock them out. I'll try to knock them out quick. So. On uh, Thursday, so it's going to be a little bit early, so hopefully when you guys, when you guys are listening to this on uh, Thursday, going to work or whatever, Georgia State at Georgia Southern in Statesboro. Uh, Georgia Southern's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I am taking Georgia Southern to cover that. Can Again, I that offense for... one one note about this game? Okay. I was driving through Statesboro today for work. Did you mm-hmm. know that they have those DOT like light up road signs out that all they say is Southern, not state guaranteed to cover that. Fuck. Yeah. Let's go. Guaranteed. Yep. There's no way. And yeah, so Georgia Southern's covering that one and a half at home in Statesboro, the real GSU facts. Get after that ass, the real GSU. Let's go Georgia Southern. All right. Um, so after that, so Oregon state is going to Arizona uh, Arizona, I'm sorry, Oregon State is three and a half point favorite. I'm actually going to go with Arizona to cover that. We talked about them a little bit past scrappy few weeks. Football. Scrappy. What's that? They're the scrappy duo of college football. Mm-hmm. And they're going to continue that because um, I do not trust uh, DJU out there in Oregon State to go to Arizona to even come close to that. So Arizona, again, Oregon State. Oregon State may not win, but uh, Arizona is going to cover that three and a half. So I'm going to go with Arizona. Sta- uh, I'm sorry, Arizona there to uh, cover that. Uh, UConn at Boston College is kind of a sicko's play because I-, I don't know if anybody listening to this gives a shit about either team, especially I mean, especially UConn for that matter. Uh, but I'm going uh, UConn at Boston College. I'm going under 51 and a half just because neither team feels like they can score anything. Um, I have no real like stats behind that at all. It just it feels like it's gonna be like a fucking thirteen ten type game. It could be totally wrong. Um, and then uh, last one, North Carolina at Georgia Tech. North Carolina's North Carolina is an eleven and a half point favorite uh, in Atlanta. I'm gonna go with uh, UNC to cover that. Uh, kind of a revenge tour, at least a little bit here in the uh, back half of the season. Georgia Tech. Not great. I mean, I, I always think back to the uh, the loss they had against uh, Bowling Green a couple of weeks ago. And uh, UNC is still fighting for uh, a uh, ACC championship berth. So I feel I feel comfortable that they're going to come back in, uh, uh, after uh, last week's disappointment. So for my best bets, I've got South Carolina covering the 14 at Texas A&M. Texas A&M, one, has not shown an ability to score a lot of points when it comes to uh, Max Johnson as a quarterback. Two, they have not shown an ability to cover the deep ball on the defensive side of the ball. And I think Spencer Rattler would be a Heisman candidate if he had a different offensive line. 
So I'm going South Carolina to cover that two-score spread against Texas A&M. Second is Oregon minus six and a half at Utah. I already talked about that a minute ago. Next game I've got is Tulane minus ten and a half at Rice. Rice is not all that good this season. Um, I understand JT Daniels is doing a lot of things down there, but Michael Pratt is back. Tulane is healthy. I think ten and a half points is a really easy one there. The last game I've got is Vandy at Ole Miss over sixty three. Neither team has much of a defense to write home about, and if Vandy can score twenty points against Georgia, imagine what they can do against Ole Miss. Definitely fair. All right, guys. As always, follow the Instagram at nothing.finder.pod, Twitter at finderpod, Facebook and YouTube. Search us there. Rate and review the show five stars. We'll mail you a sticker as long as you send us a screenshot. And as always, guys, remember there is nothing finer in the land. Than a drunk obnoxious Georgia fan. <laughs>